Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome, everyone, to SI Media with Jimmy Trainer. Thank you so much for listening. We have a huge, huge show this week. We have Robert Griffin III, RG3, does college football for ESPN, NFL Monday Night Countdown for ESPN, has a new podcast out called RG3 and the Ones. So um, great conversation with RG3 about getting into sports media, dipping his toes into various areas, get into some NFL topics, the problems with the refereeing, Devontae Adams being stuck uh, with the Raiders, Michigan game. Uh, sign-stealing scandal, bunch of topics with RG3. Following Robert Griffin III, my buddy Peter Schrager from Good Morning Football and Fox joins the show to talk about his appearance on Celebrity Jeopardy. It's a great, great interview with Schrager. We get into a bunch of other stuff as well, NFL topics, um, and talk about what's going on uh, this season in the league. But there's a lot of talk about his appearance on Celebrity Jeopardy. You guys will definitely want to hear that. And then, of course, Sal Akata joins me for Train of Thoughts. I spent Sunday at Sal's house watching the NFL, and of course, Sunday Ticket had its first glitches on YouTube, so we get into that with Sal and a bunch of other things. So it's RG3, followed by Peter Schrager, followed by Train of Thoughts. Before we get to it, Pod's been uh, having some excellent guests in recent weeks. If you've missed any episodes of SI Media with Jimmy Trader, I need you to check them out. and need you to subscribe. Subscribing, very important, so try to subscribe to the pod. Last week... Radio legend Dan Patrick was on the show. Two weeks ago, Bill Simmons. Three weeks ago, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. So if you missed any of those interviews, check them out. Subscribe to the pod and uh, leave a review on Apple. All right, let's get to this week's monster show. RG3 followed by Peter Schrager, followed by Train of Thoughts. All right here, right now on SI Media with Jimmy Trainer. 
All right, joining me now, first time ever on the SI Media Podcast. Looking forward to having a conversation with him from ESPN and from his own podcast. He is Robert Griffin III, RG3. How's it going? Going good. How you doing, Jimmy? I'm good. What's what should I be calling you, Robert? RG three, RG. Like what? I don't even. I, I was. I'm. I got to know what to call you here. Yeah, you know, it's it's not like I, my nickname is like this just far out thing, right? right. It's just my initials. So right. people call me RG three. Doesn't bother me. I don't request that anyone mm-hmm. calls me RG three. So you can call me Rob. You can call me Griff <laughs> or. Uh, you know, this past week I was uh, Robert Gryffindor, so that yeah, was uh, so, that was pretty fun. Yeah. So now nah, people people have uh, called me many different things over the years. Let's put it that way. I, I didn't want to come in hot with the RG three since we don't know each other yet. <laughs> I mean, by the end of the podcast, yes, but you know. Um, so, like I mentioned, you have a new podcast called RG three and the Ones, mm-hmm. and you're doing college football for ESPN. You do the studio for NFL Monday Night Countdown. Correct. So let me just start with this. Do you have a favorite role? Is it game analyst? Is it studio? Is it doing the podcast? What's what? What would be your favorite role as RG three in sports media right now? I was going to say you you had to specify sports media because my favorite role, uh, being myself, is being a you know a father and a husband um, yes. for for girls you know girl dad through and through. Uh, but as far as like broadcast TV, like I always tell people, don't ever limit yourself. So I don't say, hey, this is my favorite. That is my favorite. I enjoy it all. Uh, ESPN has been really great to me. Um, only been doing this two and a half years and to already be on such a prestigious show like Monday Night Countdown uh, was phenomenal. Even though that wasn't the original plan, uh, it was just to, to call games and, and kind of get the swing of things. But ESPN saw something in me and I'm, I'm happy and thankful, you know, for Seth Markman, Jimmy Patara and all the guys up top for really giving me an opportunity to go do that. But it's interesting because college is different. Than the NFL, you know, you're, you're covering two teams. You're having to get a, a whole new outlook on 170 players or more every single week uh, and be able to tell those guys stories the right way. And I, I really do take that storytelling seriously. And it kind of helps me in my NFL coverage because, you know, this NFL coverage has grown inherently negative. And I think that's part of the reason I've been able to break through because I don't I don't go about it that same way. I like to have fun. I like to tell these guys stories and and they're the best in the world. So we might as well celebrate them. What do, what do you mean by it's grown inherently negative? Just curious what you what, no, what like, about there. Listen, like for me, Jimmy, getting into the media wasn't anything I ever thought I would do. My broadcast agent bothered me for three years while I was playing in Baltimore telling me, man, I think you can do this. And I'm like, I just don't want to do it. Like I was in the locker room. I know how guys view guys in the media. So when I say it's like it's grown inherently negative, think back. I'm 33. So think back to when I'm like six years old in 1996 and Michael Jordan's killing it with the Bulls. You go to ESPN, you go to Sports Center, and it's a celebration of the sport. Well, since the on take of debate TV and things like that, it's become more of who can say the most outlandish negative thing to get people to listen to what they're saying, whether it's true or not. And that that hurts the players. So when I got into this, I was like, there's one thing I'm going to do. And that's I'm going to make sure I tell these guys stories the right way. And if there's anybody in my ear talking to me about what this guy did over there, what this guy did over there, and it doesn't add to my football or basketball or track analysis. I'm just not going to share that. There's no need for me to do that. And I understand it. I understand the media monster. I understand the machine. I just decided that I'm going to find my own way and my own 
path through it. And I think I've successfully done that without having to go out there and character assassinate guys every single time I'm on TV. All right. There's a lot there that I want to dive yeah. into, but I want to start with this. <laughs> I'm I'm fascinated by what you said there at the beginning. So when you were with the Ravens, you yep. had a broadcast agent? Yeah. So uh, long story short, um, Akbar Biabajamila, you know, yep. uh, people yep. call former him Packer. the uh, yep. former Packer, the um, American Ninja Warrior guy, right? Yeah. Really good friend. Uh, his agent was Mark Lepselter at the time, and he introduced us. And I'm like... I'll take the meeting and I'll take the introduction out of respect for Akbar. Uh, but I have no intention of doing, doing media. And Mark Lepselter was great about it. He saw something in me from the very beginning and I hadn't done TV. I hadn't done really anything like that, but he believed that I could be the next great, you know, he's got Nate Burleson on his, on his roster. Uh, Michael Strahan is a guy that a lot of us look up to and he really believed I could get it done. So I'm there and I'm backing up Lamar. And I'm like, listen, my focus is to help Lamar Jackson be the best player he can be. Baltimore Ravens be the best team we can be. And he just kept telling me, yeah, you should do this. You should do that. You should do that. And I didn't do anything. And I told him, hey, if I do decide to get into TV when it's all said and done, you'll be my agent because you were there telling me these things from the very beginning. So I took an audition with, with Fox uh, in 2021 uh, in the summertime, like off season. And they raved about it. And then ESPN found out about it. They wanted me to come in and do an audition. And then the rest is history. So uh, really thankful to him for, for you know, believing in me and getting me into the industry and kind of letting me know that you don't have to do it a certain way. You can do it your way. And that's what I'm trying to do. So you've said a couple of times you had no interest in going into media. You didn't want to do media. So what changed for you? Oh, okay. So as a player, you know, I went through everything. I was, you know, at the top. The only thing I didn't experience in the NFL was was winning a Super Bowl um, and being able to be at the top echelon of the sport in that regard. Uh, but I was had an opportunity to be rookie of the year, a Pro Bowl quarterback, you know, one of the faces of the NFL my first year uh, in the NFL. But then I also went through the ebbs and flows of out of the league in 2017. I was a backup uh, in, you know, for the, the last part of my career there with the Baltimore Ravens. So everything I went through in sports kind of set me up to be in the media in a way where I could tell the story from multiple perspectives. I don't just have this elite mindset of I'm calling a game and I could have made that throw. It's like, I kind of know how hard it is to make that throw. I kind of understand what the guys are going through and I present it in that way. So the change for me happened because of how I was treated by the media. Uh, high school, college, leading up into the NFL, my rookie year, uh, you know, the majority of my second year in the NFL, my story was being told the right way. And after that, it wasn't. In a snap of a finger, it completely shifted. And as I saw that and I grew and I matured uh, in my own mindset, I realized there's a unique opportunity here for me to join the media and actually try to change the way that it's being done. Because it can hurt guys if you do it the wrong way. And I'm not here to hurt guys. I'm here to have fun. I'm here to, to tell the story and have a blast doing TV. But I'm not here to hurt guys uh, just for the sake of getting another check. I won't do that. I don't do that. And I think that's what made me lean towards, you know, maybe I can do this and try to be try to be what I think it should be. Get it back to where it was at one point. And it's a hard thing to do. And, and I've, I've learned that over the course of the last two and a half years, but you can still do it on your own and, and go to sleep at night and feel good about what you're doing. 
So what's your mindset or philosophy if a player isn't playing well? Yep. I, you know, I don't think it's unfair to point that out. Is it nope, the way you point all. that out that what's your philosophy on how you handle that if you know a yeah. players not playing well not performing yep how what, what's your mindset and how you do the analysis of that yeah jimmy don't get me wrong like it's not oh don't uh don't don't criticize the players no right. you're playing a professional sport you're of the what 0.2 percent of the guys that make it from high school to the nfl uh to to be in that position so if you're not playing well your job as an analyst, your job in the media is to talk about why that's happening. So for me, it starts with constructive criticism. Hey, such and such just threw really three really bad interceptions. Now let me tell you why he threw those interceptions and let me tell you what he can do to get better so he doesn't continue to make those same mistakes. To me, as an analyst, I owe that to the fan and I owe that to the player. I don't owe it to the player to just go out there and say, this guy sucks. This guy can't get it done. This guy, this, this guy, that. I'm going to tell you what he's doing, why he's doing it, and how he can get better at it. Come here, kiddo. <laughs> and and for me, like, this is my uh, nine-month-old we... daughter, right? Oh, wow. Nine-month-old nine daughter, Gia. Say hi, Gia. <laughs> and I look at the players when I do my analysis, and I know that yeah. some of them have kids at home. I know some of them have parents at home. And if I'm on TV talking about this guy just can't get it done, well, how did he get to the NFL in the first place? He got to the NFL in the first place because he was a great player, because he can do it. How can I teach the fan at home what this guy can do better while also being constructively critical and not just throwing haymakers at him for no reason? Yeah, I mean, I I think I get what you're saying there. You never want to make it a personal thing. You never want to beat someone into the ground but it is sports so like you have a winner you have a loser you have players correct well players who don't play well so it's and i don't uh, i don't want you to feel yeah i don't want you to feel like i'm saying like we in the media can't criticize we can't right right it's like there's a delicate balance between being constructively critical and like you said making it personal i'm not i'm not out there trying to make it personal and and i'm not also criticizing how others approach it what I'm saying is the reason that I think I've been able to break through at least the feedback that I've gotten from the fans and from the executives at where I work is I break through because I do it in that different way. Right. I'm not afraid to be critical. If you've ever heard me do any coverage, I have been critical, but I, I always keep it in the lane of how can I teach? How can I help the fan understand what's going on and not just pile on to a subject that everyone's talking about? Got it. What? So, like I said, you're doing games in college football. You've got NFL uh, Monday Night Countdown right. with with Scott Van Pelt and Ryan Clark and a couple Marcus others. Marcus Spears, yep. Marcus Spears, yep. Sagu, and you got the podcast. Yep. It, it, and you, like you said, you're very young. 33 to be doing <laughs> all this is, is wild. Is there, though, something in your mind that's like the ultimate goal? Is the ultimate goal to be a lead NFL analyst? Is it to keep your hand in everything. Like, is there an mm-hmm. ultimate goal in, you know, 10 years or something like that for you with all these jobs you have now? Yeah. I mean, I would say the ultimate goal is to be the best ever. You know, uh, I, I use my NFL career to my advantage. I had six different offenses in eight years. There's not an offense in the NFL that I did not run. 
I know how they operate. I know how the coaches think. A lot of the coaches that I had the experience of being with are now head coaches in the NFL. So I have those relationships. But the bottom line is this. For me with TV, it's not a 10-year plan. It's a right now plan. Uh, I believe, you know, if you're not swinging for the fences, then you shouldn't be swinging at all. So when I have I've been blessed to have my hands in a lot of different areas. It's just to show that versatility and to have fun doing it. And then at some point, maybe it continues to be that way. Or maybe there's something that just, oh, all right, this is what it is. And I'm going to do this for the next 20 to 30 years of my broadcast career. Uh, but I'm not going to limit that at this point. I'm going to continue to keep trying out and go go and having fun. And I, I like the way that I'm diversified right now. But that, that kid I just showed you, the nine-month-old, mm-hmm. I also want to be a dad. And I'm never going to let chasing or trying to be the best at something and be a Hall of Fame broadcaster um, because I wasn't able to achieve that as a player get in the way of me being a father and a husband. So at some point, I'm going to be going to those, you know, soccer (laughs) matches and Taekwondo practices and the recitals. And I want to be able to be present and active for that. So I'm working now at 33, young in this business, two and a half years, so that at some point I can settle things out and I can I can have a well-rounded life with Got my it. family as well. That's important to me. Yeah, well, that's a solid plan. Tell me, we know, listen, you do games for college football. We know mm-hmm. what that is. You do the studio for Monday Night Countdown. We know what that is. Tell me what the podcast is, RG3 and the Ones. Give yep. my listeners who may not be familiar with it a little rundown of what they can expect if they tune into RG3 and the ones. Yeah. yeah. So first I would tell your listeners to to like and subscribe to the U- YouTube page and follow us on social media at RG3 and the ones. And the reason I I'm tell still you trying that, to get them to subscribe to my, yeah. I mean, getting I'm people to you. subscribe is a okay. bitch. It's not it's, easy. It's, it's, it's not, it's, it's not, it's not easy, but here's the thing. Yeah. I don't know what the vision for your, uh, your YouTube channel is, but I know what it is for, for mine. And the right. vision is to allow the viewer to become a one of one person in their own life. That that is the mission. I'm gonna. I had opportunities to talk to Josh Harris, Adrian Peterson. Just talked to Jordan Poyer. I mean, we're talking to some of the best that have ever done it. Rob Gronkowski was on uh, one of the early episodes, and he's the greatest tight end of all time until Travis Kelsey takes it over, of course. <laughs> but right now, that's who it is. And and the mission is: this is not gotcha takes. It's not hot takes. It's life conversations, it's football conversations, and we're really trying to get the, to the bottom of what makes these people who they are. So that's why I want the fan to subscribe and, and, and like the page so they can take that own information from these guys that have done it at the highest level in some of the sports and entertainment industries that we love so much and apply it to your own life. Because I can tell you right now, it doesn't matter how many balls I go catch, I'll, I'm never going to be Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> it, it's, just, it's just not possible for me right. at this point in my life at 33, but there could be a parent out there who's coaching a kid or has a kid that is trying to lead them in the direction <clears throat> of being one of the greats. And there's more than one way to be that one of one individual in your own life. And that's what I'm hoping to accomplish. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. 
if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. If you could have anybody on from the entertainment field, who would you want to have on? Ooh, anyone on from the entertainment field. I would say the, wow, the big three would have to be Kevin Hart, uh, Oprah, <laughs> and some combination of Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Taylor Swift. And the reason I say that is not just because those people have the, a large following. It's because they've had extended success. Dwayne The Rock Johnson has been successful in WWE and also as an actor. <clears throat> Oprah has been has done it in a million different categories. Taylor Swift, uh, of course, what's going on with Travis is interesting, but like her life and how she lives that life and has continued to grow her fan base and continued to grow her reach. And of course, Kevin Hart, one, because he's hilarious, but two, he's one of the first comedians that has ever had this long lasting longevity where he's in that number one spot. Right. We've seen it from Cat Williams, uh, phenomenally funny guy. And then like something happens. Dave Chappelle, love Dave Chappelle. Chappelle shows are one of my favorite shows ever. Something happens. But for Kevin, it hasn't. And he's still there. Mm -hmm. I, I watch movies and I'm like, yo, Kevin Hart's in another movie. Like, it's the craziest thing in the world. But there's something that people can learn from those types of people that isn't just jokes and funny and weightlifting and whatever. And I think that would be really cool to, to dive into with them. As someone who's done this for a long time, I, you'll get Kevin Hart. The other three are <laughs> going to be a problem. The other no, three no, no, are going to no. be a problem. I, I don't. And, and here's I'm, the thing. I don't think that it will be a problem. I think you 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 go about it, you grow, you continue to to work hard, and then they they come to you at some point. It's not that you're trying to seek them out, but you do have to put it out there into the universe. Oh, yeah. If we've learned anything from Travis Kelsey, it's that you got to put it out there, and then maybe it'll come to you. He made a bracelet and tried to shoot well, a shot at Taylor Swift, and now look at him. Right. I, I say it, it, the other three would be difficult from this standpoint. My listen, my listeners are probably chuckling right now because they know <laughs> that my number one dream guest is The okay. Rock. So oh, you and I will okay. have a booking. We'll have a booking war over that. But I've, always said over he, I've always said he's never coming on. So like to me, it's like a pipe. Taylor Swift, 
you'd imagine she'd probably do Travis's podcast before yours. So no, you can have a little- 1,000%. Right. I mean, it's so, her boyfriend, right? Like, yeah, yeah. it is what so it that's is. A, so maybe Oprah's the way to go. No, I don't. I, like I said, I, I'm, a, I'm a very positive mm-hmm. guy. So I'm not going to put limitations on what guest I could get or couldn't get. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. never know. You just got to go yeah. out there and just live your life and 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 put it out there into the universe. Reach out to him. You know, I don't know how many times you've reached out to The Rock, but reach out to him. See if he says come, he'll come on. <laughs> it's a whole story. He follows me on Twitter. We, I've DM'd him, but it's yeah, it's I don't even want to get into it. Maybe it's, maybe right. you should just go out there and, and mm. send him a tweet. Send him a tweet every day. I've seen no, people do that. Well, okay, so here, I've seen so them the do funny, that to try to get people on the show, and it happens, it works. So the funny story is, I did go on Twitter once, and I said I'm going to tweet the Rock every t- single day until he comes on my <laughs> podcast, and he responded like, you know, don't do that or something like that. So, um, <laughs> but but um, but no, it's all good with the Rock. Um, you, you said you're a very positive person, right? But you are very active on social media, which is not a very positive place. Very true. And 2.1 million followers on Twitter, which is impressive. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this first, because I've gone through your stuff. And like I said, you're very active. Do you do it all yourself or do you have like, I know a lot of athletes, former athletes, Mm -hmm. they get, they work with companies that do that, which is very smart in this day and age. It is. So you you got some help with that. No, no, it's all you. I do so all, all of, you. I do all of my social media myself. And like you just said, it is smart to have somebody do that for you. Uh, but I just feel like it's very hard to for your voice to shine through. And right. if you if you look at my feed on Twitter or any of my other social medias, um, I, I'm a human being. Right. There's I, I wake up every day and I put out a positive message and you're saying, hey, how can you be positive in a negative space? Well, you know, you just got to be yourself. So even if I post something positive and and there's like five people in the comments that that don't like what I said or they have a nasty response, you just move on with your life and you ignore that and you pay attention to the positive. Now, if I do something negative, like, yeah, you know, it is what it is. Just because you're a positive person doesn't mean that you're not a human being and, and have ebbs and flows. But I handle all my social media because I think it helps my voice shine through and I don't want to give that to somebody else. And I feel like you, you tell me if I'm wrong, more people that don't handle their own social media, they're not as active because it's very hard yeah. for someone to be active on your social media if it's not you posting it. Now you're having well, like, to say, oh, this intern posted that mm-hmm. and it was a problem. And you know what I'm saying? Like, I've I've been through that and I don't yeah, I didn't yeah. like that. So I take my own and I've been more active now because I'm not a player and it's easier to do it. Yeah, I think there's different ways that these companies do it. So I think there's probably, I think I've heard where, you know, there's a company where it's all your stuff, but you send it off to them and they post it and where, you know, the the person like Derek Jeter is not actually like on Twitter (laughs) on his phone posting. (laughs) You know, I think, you know, I see a guy like JJ Watt, Right. And he'll post something and within literally three seconds and the fact that I know this shows what a loser I am, but like <laughs> it's on his Twitter, Instagram, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, like it's on everything at once. So he's got people right. like firing that. So yes, I, I'm just curious. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. You go. No, no, no. You're right. Uh, there are, there are ways that um, guys that are active right. can do that and post it everywhere. Yeah. I, I decide to do it a little bit more old school. 
I yeah. posted on Twitter and then it might not pop up on my Instagram for another 15, 20 minutes. Right. It might not. Cause pop you're up even on TikTok doing those videos where we got your head over talking. Over, <laughs> like I couldn't exactly. even begin. Like I, my niece yeah. has got to help me show me how to do that stuff. Yeah. Like it, I it, and like I said, it's, it's tough to do that way, but it's a more organic way. And I always want the people who are following me, the fans, the haters, because you have haters following you too. I just pay more attention to the fans. I want them to feel like they're talking to me. They're not talking to some automated system that pumps out the same thing to every single social media page. Now, some things that you say you feel and there's certain platforms that you can say it the same exact way or present it the same exact way. But it's not like what you post on Twitter is not always what you're going to say or post on Instagram. Right. So I've always said it, inst yeah. Instagram is so much nicer than Twitter. <laughs> that's my experience. I don't know what yours is, but that's how I feel. No, I, I understand. Like there's a time where Instagram can be can be very nasty. But uh, Twitter is certainly the place you call it like the cesspool. But yeah. I, I enjoy swimming in Twitter because it's such a fun experience as long as you pay attention to the right things. What you give your energy to is what you're going to continually see. So my Twitter is a much more positive place. I crack jokes. I have fun. I present what I need to as an analyst. And I also show my family life. And I think that that, if that has been accepted more, whereas the people who are going to be negative about what you do, they're going to be negative no matter where you post it. So you might as well post what you feel good about and what you know, and you'll be fine. That'll be my advice, not just to celebrities, but to just everyday people. <laughs> Post yeah. what you want to post, not what you think somebody wants you to post. Well, I think it's impressive that you do it all yourself, especially if you have 2.1 million followers <laughs> on Twitter, because that can be overwhelming. You know, I don't know what, you know, if you check your mentions all the time, but that that could be a lot. That could be a lot. Yeah, it can be a lot. And I would say it's more a lot just because of all the different pages that, that we have nowadays. You're talking Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, LinkedIn, Threads. I'm sure there's some other ones out there, right? Yeah, yeah. But because it's all of those, that's what can be a little bit overwhelming. Yeah. And I and sure. I try to make like sure I have like a good family life balance. And I don't ever want to feel like I'm trying to keep up with the Joneses, Jimmy. Right. So if I go seven hours without tweeting, it is not the end of the world. If I right. don't live tweet the game that I'm watching, it's not the end of the world. And it's gave me peace to just feel good about what I post because I don't feel yeah. like I'm trying to please anybody. I'm just having a good time. You've had a, I feel like you've had a couple of like those moments where like the Twitter, the Twitter crowd is like, did RG3 say that? Or what did I, you right. know, there was something right. recently where they thought you said the F word and you said fudging. Said fudge. Yeah. Fudging. Yeah. yeah. Um, when, when you, when, when something like that's happening, like, do you feel like, like you're in the middle of a storm? Like, like what is going on here? Like how intense does it get? Yeah. I would say that it's not that intense. And okay, like, good. for me, if you've watched what I do and how I present things on TV, I've been doing it my way from the beginning. So there's not like this urge to try to go viral. There's not this urge to try to say something that's going to get the people stirred up. It's right. just how I break in, break down things and how I anal analyze it. I don't want to say the F word on TV. So I say fudge. I don't right. want to say the F word. So I say what the French toast. Like, what was that? And some of that vernacular can catch people off guard. And that's OK. But don't like misappropriate what I said. Right. And for me, it's not the storm that I feel like I'm going through. I just don't want uh, the network that I'm working for or the people that I'm working with to feel like they're a part of that storm. So I, I try to make sure I handle it the right way. Some media storms are just people being people. 
and and social media being social media and you can't control yeah. that when you really make a mistake you apologize for it and you move on i've done that uh, in my short career in tv when i'm when i said something that i wasn't supposed to say or didn't understand what i said you just apologize because it's okay to be wrong you just can't be wrong and continue to be wrong. So I don't ever feel like I'm in the storm. I, I have fun with it. I see people on social media having fun with it. And I can understand like where everybody's coming from. We're always looking for a good F-bomb on live TV. That's, <laughs> that's really what it is. But it's funny because, you know, as someone who covers this, like when something like that happens, I inevitably get people like sending it to me. And I'm like, to me, like, I always think that's like the last resort is that someone would slip up and say that. But like yeah, 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 yeah. guys on live TV, especially on ESPN, like they're not looking to say the. And when someone does say the F word, yep. you know, they say it because of their reaction. Like when yeah. you said fudging, like you kept going, like someone yeah. dropping the F bomb doesn't keep going. They're going, oh, my God. Oh, my and goodness. I can't saw, believe I just said that. Who did it last week? It was. um Oh, it was great. It was um, it was Luka Doncic after the after the Mavs yeah. game. He said the F word and like his reaction was hysterical. <laughs> but like yep. people think you're going to be on live. Like my first thought is like, okay, let me watch this to see how he didn't say it and see how people right. are misinterpreting this. Right. But um, I would definitely stick with what the French toast over what the fudging <laughs> because fudging does sound a little bit too. It can you know. be very yeah. like I listened to it the first time and I'm like, okay. I can yeah. understand why some people thought that I said the F word, but yeah, yeah. it was also like the reaction of my of my co-stars uh, there on right. the set. Like right. they they didn't have a reaction of like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he said it. It was more like this man just said fudging. You know, right. some people were telling me like, hey, man, if you just said the F word, it would have been better. And I'm like, right. yeah, better, better for you, <laughs> not better right. for me. So right. I'm with you. I'll, I, I'll continue right. to use fudge <laughs> and I'll continue to switch it up with French mm -hmm. toast. And I think people know now. Yeah. So it is what it yeah. is. You can say the F word here if you want to let one out. Um, <laughs> let me ask you a couple of NFL things here while I got you. Well, actually, yeah. start with a college and a couple of. Well, let me go. I'll go NFL first because okay. um, we're taping this day after the Raiders fire Josh McDaniels. Yes. And what I found fascinating about that whole thing is the whole thing surrounding Devontae Adams. Yeah. So Devontae Adams leaves the Packers to go play for the Raiders. And he stated, because he wanted to play with Derek Carr, which, okay, Aaron Rodgers is a billion times better than Derek Carr, but okay. <laughs> then Derek Carr gets blown out of there after a year. Devontae Adams is left there. And now the coach is gone. Like, I would imagine, like, this is just a disaster for Devontae Adams. I mean, what, what do you think his mindset is right now? I think Devontae did not get traded at the deadline. So he is quote-unquote, stuck there in Las Vegas. Um, his mindset right now has to be, I have to maximize this opportunity, be a great leader in the locker room so that I don't lose a year of my career, right? I hate to say it this way, but it, it shifts for Devontae Adams to become more personal. Like, what do I want to do moving forward? Do I want to still be here after this year? But I also have to put my best foot forward so that, teams will want to go get me this offseason because he is making a lot of money so yeah. how does he put his best foot forward well he has to get the guys around him to raise their level because if Devonte goes out there and catches 10 balls for 100 yards for the rest of the year the only reason that'll happen is because the offensive line is blocking better because josh jacobs is running better because the quarterback is playing better he's in a he's in a position at wide receiver that is so dependent on other positions he just can't go out there and say i'm catching 10 for 150 today 
So for him, his mindset has to be more focused on, on the team and getting those guys to buy into what they're doing now under Antonio Pierce. But I agree with you. People don't look at this from the standpoint of the psychological very often because they're like, this guy's getting paid a lot of money. Who cares what he's going through emotionally? He goes to play for the team that was his childhood team to play with his best friend and a guy that he was college teammates with. They ship that guy out. Now they fire the coach. They're not winning football games. You can only imagine what he's going through. And that that tirade he threw on the sideline on Monday night. The reason that was so important, Jimmy, is because Devontae Adams is a pro's pro. He yeah. has never done something like that. So for <clears throat> him to get to the point where he's throwing his helmet on the ground and cussing on live TV, if you can li- read lips. that yeah, He wasn't you- saying fudge. Yeah, yeah. He was not saying <laughs> fudge. That lets you know how bad the situation is. Yeah. But because he's a pro's pro, he'll handle it the way that I just told you that he will because he knows that's the best way for Devontae Adams not to waste the rest of his career technically rotting away on a team that's not going anywhere all right next topic i'm sure you talk to a lot of current players on a regular basis Mm -hmm. are they saying anything to you off the record on the record whatever i'm not asking to name names but i'm just curious what you're hearing from players if they're frustrated with how bad the officiating is (laughs) Um, because it's becoming it's yeah. becoming a thing. It's becoming a narrative. Yeah, we saw it. ESPN they had to put on the referee the other night to defend a, a call and all that stuff. I, I know that everyone always the, the standard line is well they get most of the calls right, and but it is a problem whether the NFL wants to admit it or not. I'm curious what players are saying this year. Yeah, players are they're not just upset with the officiating; they're also upset with like the way that rules are being applied to the game. And by that, I mean not just like pass interference and roughing the passer, but them getting fined on defense for hits that ten years ago they would be applauded for, or them getting fined for hits on defense where they actually are following the rules, but something happens because it's football, and oh my goodness, his helmet accidentally touched this guy while he was falling and now they're getting money taken out of their pocket. So like you said, I won't mention any names, but players are certainly talking about it. They're upset about it because at the end of the day, like I do my job and I pride myself on being bipartisan. I don't have a favorite. I don't root for a team. Uh, I just cover the game and tell the story the way it's supposed to be told. I've called multiple Baylor games in college football. And the main takeaway from the fans has been, wow, he wasn't biased at all. As a Baylor Bear, I anticipated that he was going to call this game like a Baylor Bear. And I you have to ask yourself, like, is that really what's going on with the refs? Is that really what's these guys are from places? They have favorite teams, and we're all human at the end of the day. Even though I put all that behind me and I call the game that I want it the way I want it to go, you and I both know that if Baylor wins, I'm happy for them. That's the school that I went to. So how do you assess that with a referee who has a flag in his pocket and can make calls that it can change the outcome of the game based off of where he's from or what his favorite team was or who he rooted for when he was a kid? Because I don't know very many referees that just get into refereeing because they want a referee like they they might get into refereeing because they followed the game as a child. And that's the conversation that players are having more so, especially in the locker room. Like this guy's from, you know, Green Bay and he threw that flag or he's from Green Bay and he didn't throw that flag because he didn't want to seem like he was guilty of doing something. So 
the conversations go much deeper into the weeds than people actually think. But players are really, really upset that now not only are the calls like all over the place, but they're getting money taken out of their pocket for things that they don't really believe they should. Like, I really don't know how defenders play defense anymore. Right. Can't hit the quarterback high. Can't hit him low. Can't hit guys across the middle high. If you hit him low, you're a dirty player. Like, what are they supposed to do? And I really feel bad for them. So are you hearing it more from players this year than ever before? Or um, I would say because that. The, yeah, go ahead. No, you go. I was going to say as a player in the locker room, I've heard, I heard it from my entire eight year career. Now in the media, because it players don't mind. I say this players don't mind the bad calls because it's always chucked up to, like you said, they, they, they made most of them the majority of the game. They missed this one holding that I had that they didn't call. But once you start taking money out of their pocket, it's a problem. You know, now now the rules and the referees are hurting them in a certain aspect. And right. that's always going to be an issue. You mess with a player's money. They're not going to deal with you. So what you brought up about players thinking that certain referees may have certain biases. Has that always yeah. been the case or is that something that you think is new? Um, I don't think it's new. Uh, I think I never thought about that when I was a college football player. But as I got into the NFL, those conversations in the locker room started to teeter in that in that direction. Um, listen, we had, we had guys, uh, or in our, in our own meetings where we're like diagramming where certain guys are from and like, who's going to go talk to that guy because he's from Dallas, Texas, or this guy over here, he's from, uh, New Hampshire. Hey, such and such, you're from New Hampshire. Go talk to that ref before the game so that we can get everything, you know, on, on the good with him to make sure he's giving us the calls that we want to give him. Now, did that work? Probably not. Like (laughs) it probably didn't work at all, but. There's a lot of thought that goes into who the refs are, where they're from, how can we do everything in our power legally, just having conversation to get this guy to give us a few calls. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to discuss with you is a college thing, and that is this whole Michigan <laughs> cheating scandal. Right. Alleged, I guess. Right. Now, uh, you know, I... I look at sports as entertainment, so I actually find this completely hilarious. When they when when it came out yesterday, where the guy was on the Central Michigan sideline, um, <laughs> the only thing in my head was like, just get me the thirty thirty as soon as possible because this is going to be tremendous. Um, it's it you know, and I and and like Michigan needs like the Big Ten outside of Ohio State stinks, and Michigan needs to cheat to beat Northwestern. Like the whole thing is comical to me. Having said that. That's me saying that, not RG3. Um, <laughs> what do you, how do you, you know, you're covering college football now. How do you think yeah. this is all going to play out? I mean, is this, do you think this will affect Michigan this season? Do you think they can do something where there's penalties soon or they got to do a full investigation while it won't happen for a while? And, mm-hmm. and is there any chance Jim Harbaugh didn't know about this? That's my other question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're asking all the right questions. I'm just not the right guy to answer them. I mean, if you look at the NCAA's history, uh, they tend to take a very, very long time to investigate anything that's happening. So as people are following this story uh, and it looks to be get to be getting more and more damning with every day that goes by, uh, I think from my perspective as an analyst, my job is to analyze what's happening on the field. And I can't it's I can't speculate about what's happening off the field right now until I actually have a clear picture of what's going on. Case in point. Uh, Deshaun Watson, 
uh, Deshaun Watson's uh, situation took place over the course of many years. I did not comment on Deshaun Watson until after I believe it was Judge was it Sue L. Robinson that came down with her determination for what happened in his situation. I didn't comment on it until then because then I had clarity. There was a, a finality to the situation and you can make a proper assessment of what's going on. My first assessment when I heard about this Michigan thing was, what are you guys talking about? Everybody does that. Everybody's sending scouts out to go do this and do that and try to steal signals and do that. And I haven't commented on it since because I still don't have any clarity about what actually happened, what didn't happen. So for the NCAA, they most likely will do an investigation uh, and it will most likely take years. And I don't know if that's going to impact what's happening on the field this year unless they just come to some concrete judgment of this is what happened. We know we have all of the evidence and they're going to do a, a punishment towards Michigan in that regard. But until they have that, uh, I think we're going to be playing football and Michigan's going to be one of the top teams in the country. I think the problem that the NCAA and Michigan may have is that if they don't get this investigation going and do something soon, I think just more stuff's going to come out because this guy was sloppy. This guy was not, you know, if you're cheating and you're doing some shady stuff, you usually try to be a little stealth about it. This guy throws on glasses and a hat and he's like, oh, here I am on the Central Michigan. I mean, could you, I, they better be careful because I have a funny feeling we're going to hear more crazy stuff about this whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm more than yeah. more than certain we're going to hear crazy stuff about it. And yeah. uh, any anything crazier than what we've already heard just just yeah. adds to the allure. I'm with you. It's a 30-30. It's a walking 30-30. And uh, yeah. I also can't wait for it to come out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we wrap up, I've got to I, I was going to ask you this at the top because I, I thought it was unbelievable. But then I forgot to because I'm a bad host. So. Let's wrap it up with this. We, we're taping this the day after Halloween. Yeah. And you tweeted that when you went trick-or-treating. Oh, my goodness. You went to a house where the people were actual. The person was actually not giving out the candy to the kids, but selling it. Yep. What the fudge? Oh, you know. Break it. I, I, I want. I, give me like the. I want it from like start to finish. Like you guys go into the house. What happened? What he was selling? How much was it for? I want every detail of this. So you know, and I, I wanted to to be able to use this for for RG three and the ones. You know, my own podcast. Yeah. But I actually shot it before going trick or treating. So we go trick or treating. We're uh, you know we're in a neighborhood. You know, go with some some friends. Uh, you know, my wife. You know, the, where are you? What what state, city? We're in Texas. We're in Texas, okay. and Houston. So, got it. Going into the community, going around with the kids. Uh, my wife is dressed up as Wednesday. I'm Uncle Fester. You know, I got the the big bodysuit on, the the bald cap. Uh, our daughters are Ladybug um, and a vampire. So we're, we're walking around, having a good time, getting candy, encouraging our kids. Like our four year old, I don't want to go up to the you know, the house without your dad, dad, can you come with me? Go get some candy, do all that trick-or-treating. So we're probably at near the end of the trick-or-treating. We've been doing it for about hour and a half walking around, which honestly, shout out to the kiddos because <laughs> the fact that they walked around for an hour and a half in yeah. the cold, I mean, you're talking 40 degrees outside uh, here in Houston uh, was amazing. So we're, getting towards, the, we're getting towards the end. 
and they go up to a house. The parents are now kind of uh, talking, just, you know, whoo, this has been a long hour and a <laughs> half. Let's get home, you know, can't feel my fingers anymore. <laughs> and the kids come back and our, our uh, six-year-old says, daddy, um, they're not giving out candy over there. They said we have to pay $4 for the candy. And I'm like, huh? Uh, our six-year-old has no reason to lie. Her friend right. comes back a couple seconds later from the same house and says the same exact thing. So instead of like approaching this house and being like, yo, what the fudge? Right. We just decided to keep moving. <clears throat> and the remainder of the time walking back to the house, our house, I'm sitting there writing up this tweet. And I'm like, I'm not going to say the house number. I'm not going to say who, uh, who it was or whatever it was, because I'm not trying to do that and have people like go TP their house or something. But I, in all my years, I've never seen anything quite like that. Selling candy to trick-or-treating kids is the most ridiculous thing I have ever seen in my life. I'm kind of blown away. You didn't go up to the, just to scout out and see what they, like, I would have to know exactly what I would ask them. Like, well, what's going on here? Why, why are you selling the candy? Like what it's Halloween. You're supposed to give the candy. You're supposed to give the candy right. to the kids. Yeah, like yeah. there's a reason like yeah. these kids are going out there and doing right. this. And then obviously after I posted it on Twitter, there were some hilarious responses. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm it's sure. a hard economy. Uh, you know, you got to make a, got to make a yeah. buck wherever you can. They're hustling you yeah. guys out there. And I'm like, well, first of all, I never said we bought the candy. Right. Definitely right. didn't buy any of that, but wasn't going right. to turn something that was supposed to be kid friendly into a confrontation. Yeah, plus, that's true. You got uh, the uncle, kids there. That's true. You got the kids. That's you're true. not trying to turn it yeah, into yeah. a confrontation. And I was yeah. Uncle Fester. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure I'm already a big black man. I don't want to approach a house looking like Uncle Fester trying to create some issues. There, there's a way to, to handle that. And in this situation, it was kind of just telling the story on social media without really <sighs> harming anybody. So I so okay. So you actually were. In, I was gonna say maybe they knew, but you were in costume. <laughs> no, I was gonna say maybe they knew it was RG three, and they're like, no, no, no. "This guy played in the NFL. He's got millions. <laughs> no, we're gonna try to sell the kind of, You know, anything's possible these days. And know. it would be different if they came to like our house and they were selling Girl Scout cookies or something. Right. Like, right that's right. different. That's not selling right. candy to trick or treating kids. But if they're coming to your house and there's a bowl of chocolates and Reese's and Snickers and Butterfingers, Starburst. And you're like, oh, oh, oh not so fast. <laughs> you got to pay $4 for these. Like, come on, man. That we See, should I never do that. I, I want to know if he was selling the regular size bars. I mean, if he's selling $4 for the minis, the fun size, they should be in jail, these people. It's ridiculous I mean, it's to do that un to kids. Unbelievable. Yeah. Don't ever do yeah. that to kids. Anyone out there thinking about selling candy, bracelets, whatever it may be, don't do that. Let the kids have yeah. the candy. That's horrible. All right, well, I appreciate you coming on, and I uh, enjoy this. And uh, everyone could see RG three Saturdays. He does college football for ESPN. So, uh, Mondays, he's on Monday night, a Monday countdown, and uh, he's got the uh, podcast RG three in the ones. What day does your pod come out? So podcast drops every single Thursday. So like we said, don't just like and subscribe to RG three in the ones. Make sure you also like and subscribe to Jimmy's. <laughs> YouTube you channel. Yep. We're in this together. Okay. We both We're come out on Thursdays. So there you there go. You we go. got competition. But if, I feel like most pods come out on Wednesdays. Thursdays is, is a good day. To Thursdays is a great day. So they drop yeah. on Thursdays. Follow us on social yeah. media, RG3 and the ones, because we post those daily clips. Yep. And uh, like I said, it's not gotcha moments. We're just having good life and football conversations. Come join. Yep. And, it, and it's at RG3 on Twitter. And yep. uh, 
Yeah, I, I in in doing the research, I see everything's RG three, so I figured that that's the way to go. So, uh, it is, you know. Let me just. I just thought of this real quick. No one's going to know this. Do you are are you friends with like how well do you know Chris Chavez from the running world? Uh, I oh you're talking about uh, what's the name of there? Sidious Max. Sidious. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Know him very very well. He's um, my guy. He's yeah. my guy. Chris, I is know amazing. you guys. Need to, all right, yeah, he's good. amazing. I love what he's doing in the track and field world. Um, I do NCAA championships. Uh, I've done it for the past two years, plan on continuing to do that. Uh, and Chris does a lot of stuff on the, on the pro circuit. Uh, and he, he, he covers the college circuit as well, but he's like, so you're still big wave. into the whole track and field thing what? you're doing. Yeah, Listen, yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about goals. The goal is to call the Olympics and the, and the goal is to, to do that and have a guy like Chris there also doing it with you because it, we're part of that new wave of of analysts in track and field that understand how to promote the sport, understand what the sport needs. So shout out to Sidious Mag. They're doing an amazing job covering the sport. And I'm happy to have been able to do things with them and looking forward to doing more in the future. Yeah. If you're into track and field, if you're into running, Sidious Mag is a must. Um, yeah. yeah me, Chris and I worked together for a few years came good friends i'm much much older than him so he would call me dad so <laughs> so we're tight so and i remember him saying he, he was excited when he was doing stuff with you years ago with sidious so yep. I, I just remember that all right appreciate it rg3 uh rg3 and the ones on thursdays thanks man appreciate it appreciate you brother god bless all right thanks Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. We're back with season two of the podcast, which means more opportunities to glow up and become a more responsible and better adult, one life lesson at a time. And let me just tell you, this show is just as much for us as it is for you. So let's figure this stuff out together. This season, we're going to talk about whether or not we're financially and emotionally ready for dog ownership. We're going to figure out the benefits of a high-yield savings account. And 
what exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party? All that plus so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. All right, join me now. Normally, I would introduce him as host of Good Morning Football, reporter, information man, a Fox pregame show. Today, I introduce him as Celebrity Jeopardy contestant. Mm-hmm. He's also SI Media Podcast regular, Peter Schrager. Schrags, we've got to talk Jeopardy. How's it going? Jimmy, I'm doing great. Um, I want to com- compliment you on your last few podcasts. As you know, I'm an avid listener. Dan Patrick, great. Yes. Bill Simmons, great. Um, a couple of the ones before that, great. Uh, really enjoy. I will say this: as great as those interviews are, Sal Licata's quest for a home in New Jersey is actually more captivating than all of it. I'm like on bated breath each week. Did Sal get the house? How was traffic on the way to get the house? He missed the Falcons game. Um, good, good shit all around, dude. That's funny because I get tweets from people like, well, why didn't you talk about Sal's house search? And I forget that like I speak to him off the air and know things and then I don't bring it up, but people want to it's, throw it up. So I, I think we're like, all in the same boat. And right now with mortgage rates, mm-hmm. what they are and with housing prices as high as they are, it's a very relatable topic. And the yeah. fact that you're giving up your weekend with a kid to schlep out to Jersey to not find one and deal with the, the slime of the earth uh, as the people trying to sell you them. It's, it's a very relatable topic. And I like how uh, nonchalant you guys mm-hmm. are about it. Yeah, well, we're just you know having a conversation, which is what we're going to do. So before we get to Jeopardy, because I have a lot of questions. Great. Uh, when I had Dan Patrick on the podcast last week, at one point I had said to him that someone in the industry had texted me asking about how my Bill Simmons interview from the week before was. And I said I wasn't crazy about my performance, but I thought Bill was great. And that person wrote back and said, I can't believe you judge yourself that way. And I told Dan, I'm not going to say who it is because it was mm-hmm. a text that I'm not going to go blab about without you know, getting permission from the person. And the person was you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you were you said you would be happy to discuss that. Yeah. First of all, you were great with Bill Simmons. It sounded as natural as I've heard him. And I, I feel like I go on his podcast every week and I'm not as comfortable with him as you were. So I thought you were fantastic. Your questions were real. He talked about his ESPN stuff. You were great. And then you go into this like thing with Dan Patrick, like you're like, you know, this big journalist, like you're Edward R. Murrow. And you're like, the person who texted me, I was shocked because he's actually on TV. And he was like, I don't grade myself that way. But Dan, don't you grade yourself that way? And Dan Patrick's like, of course I grade myself that way. You're missing my point, Jimmy. My point was this. Don't be so hard on yourself. You were great. Had a great interview. And, And here's the bottom line. It's never your fault as the interviewer. It's always the guest's fault. If the no, guest that's sucks, not true at all. Guest's fault. Yes, it is. You know you can interview. No, you no. There's job. absolutely there's absolutely times where the guests are not good, but Bill was great, and I felt like I could have been better. But so let me ask you this: So when you're done doing a podcast or even Good Morning Football, yes. the minute it's over, you don't go into your brain and say, "How was that? Should I have done this differently?" That was. I mean, I will say this: Like when I. I I will say 90% of the time, I I probably say to myself, that wasn't good. The one time I I was done with a podcast and was like, I don't think I could have done better was Barkley. And then the response was pretty good. But response to Bill was tremendous too. I just felt like I should have gone with the flow a little more. But you don't, when the show's over, you don't immediately replay it in your head. 
Of course I do. You put oh, okay. the work in, you prepare, you do the best you can, and you, right. you live to fight another day. If you start grading yourself, look, there's no one in our industry that 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 is is uh is as hard as themselves and the people themselves doing it. So like I, I of course I feel it if I didn't have a great day or if I forgot something I wanted to say. But 99% of the time, Jimmy, you do this for a living. You're really good at what you do. You put the work in. You were yourself. You were authentic. You weren't cheesy. I know I, I know my shortcomings as an interviewer. Sometimes I interrupt. Sometimes I ask long questions that go on me. Sometimes I'm breathing deeply into the microphone. But by and large, you come in prepared. You come in buttoned up. And you come in ready to improv. You're going to be great. So I would just say, don't be so hard on yourself. All right. I, someone else told me that this week in the business. So I appreciate that. And um, I definitely interrupt too much. And people always give me shit for it. I don't ask long. The longest, the person I ask the most long-winded question is Deitch. Deitch will ask like a five-minute question. He asks I, the questions long or you ask him long questions? No, he asks the mo the longest, most longest-winded questions by far. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just felt like Sometimes you've got to change. Like, you know what I thought? I This is what I was going to say because it had it in my head while you were speaking. You mentioned about being prepared. I thought I was over-prepared. Mm -hmm. So when I do these pods, 99, no, 0.9% .9 of the time, I have one page like this of just yep. notes. Yep. For Simmons, I had three. And I think I was trying to just get to, because it was just my first time ever interviewing him. Like here's when you my, and Kyle come on. One. That's my usual. Yeah. That's honestly it. When you and Kyle come on, like sometimes I don't even take notes. Yeah. But I had three pages of notes for Bill, and I think I was in my head like, oh, God, like I didn't ask him about Prince Harry. And then he said to me, oh, you didn't ask me about Mike and the Mad Dog. I got a little flustered. So I think I was maybe overprepared instead of just going with the flow and having a conversation. But that's, you know, it is what it is. Here, here's the thing. Uh, I talk to a lot of the NFL head coaches, and a lot of them ask me, how did I do in that press conference? I just be yourself. Be authentic. That's all we can ask for. And if you get that out of a guest, then the host looks good. So we have a lot of terrible guests on Good Morning Football. We'll literally take anybody who wants to be on Good Morning Football. It's a three-hour show. We're on during the offseason. So like, if a current player has aspirations to eventually get into our line of business, trust me, not only will we give you a segment, we'll probably give you an hour to flex your muscles and see how it goes. And a lot of the current players are either nervous or they don't get it or they're not. So, uh, you know, it's my I, we tr I try like hell to get the best out of them. And I think you do the same thing with these media guys who a lot of times do listen to the podcast or are familiar with you, but sometimes are booked by their PR people. So right. they're not sure the the feel of the interview and what it, what it's going to be. So I think you do a great job. And, you know, you're a friend. All of right. Stop kissing. Let me you. stop kissing my ass. Here's what I'm not, I, kid, I'm not you. kissing your ass. Tell you All that much. Let me ask you this. Just, just said, wait till you get my thoughts on your interview today which uh, hasn't recorded yet but hearing you uh, who, who are you interviewing before me rg3 okay so he could do no wrong for the next six months put that in the jimmy trainer book all right oh yeah that you come on the podcast you get, <laughs> since i have to book it and you, especially when you come to me absolutely wait let me ask you this so i'm not gonna ask you i would never ask you to say the person but if i said to you off the air when we were you know just chatting yeah or having lunch at um where's the PJ place clark's yeah, PJ PJ clark's. Clark's, yeah and i said give me your all-time worst Good morning, football guest. Would you be able to answer that within two seconds? Oh, I can give you. I can give you a, <clears throat> a, a phone book length. It would be a time. No, but for I mean, about, I want one. Like if I said the worst. Well, everyone's had bad days. Like I, I've interviewed uh, Jamar Chase in a one-on-one -on -one setting, and he was awesome. But we had Jamar Chase on this year, and he was promoting 
a mattress company, I think, and he did it with, with like a white T-shirt on from his apartment or his house, and the camera angle was wrong and the zoom angle was wrong, and we hyped it for three days that we're having Jamar Chase on, and he's a, you know, a third-year guy. <laughs> it was one-word answers, and the zoom camera wasn't set up right. Yeah, yeah and there's been a lot of bad interviews we've done, and it's not the best showcase. <laughs> well, the zoom the thing you can't help. You can't help the zoom. You know, not. I remember when you guys had Seth Rollins on recently, and the zoom crapped out in the yeah, beginning. Yeah, it of happens, it. and we're like, all right, great. That's it it cool. happens. There's a lot. You said. A lot of these guys aren't great. A lot of the yeah. coaches and GMs want to come on Good Morning Football, then they get on and they clam up and they, you know, they're reading message points. It's terrible TV. You know yeah. that. Well, it's good they want to come on. That's a good sign. Shows you the power of the show. Sure. Now, you said a lot of coaches will text you asking how they did in a press conference. Have you gotten any texts recently from Josh McDaniels? We text. I, you know, he he got uh, fired last night, and I haven't heard from him today. But we text. Well, a lot. let me ask you: Were you were you shocked they fired him? I was surprised. I I, I thought that uh, you know he would at least have the end of the year and a chance to have another <laughs> off season. If I'm being honest, I don't know Mark Davis well. We're always you know at the owners' meetings and things like I'll exchange like hellos and stuff. And you know I don't know that relationship. I don't have that relationship with him. I do have it with other owners, but with. McDaniels, I've known him since his New England days and then through the indie stuff. And I thought once they didn't make a move at the trade deadline that, all right, they were kind of set and they were just going to ride it out. When I always thought Devontae Adams or Josh Jacobs or one of these guys that they were going to make a drastic move, whether it be cut or trade or something and make a statement that like here it. What ends up being the case is that uh, the owner had been talking to players and got a feel for the locker room as a whole. And it, he bailed on Josh and not only Josh, but the GM, the offensive coordinator, Mick Lombardi, got rid of all these guys who all had those Patriots ties, a lot of them in one fell swoop. But what's crazy is it happened last night at 1 a.m. And if I can just go into, you know, everyone always asks me, like, what's the craziest stuff that happens in your job as a reporter for the NFL? Well, go trick or I dressed as as Al Davis on the show yesterday. That's what I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Go ahead. So 99 percent of the tweets I got were. <laughs> Can can you can you get Al Davis to come back from the dead and fire Josh McDaniels? And I'm like, gosh, everyone's so morbid. They're like, can Al Davis be alive so he can fire Josh? This was after they lost somebody night football. It all was like a perfect storm. I planned the costume months in advance. Uh, then sure enough, I wear it after a Monday night loss that everyone wants to fire Josh McDaniels. They do fire Josh McDaniels. Then my phone starts. Now I went I went to the show, came back. I've got a seven-year-old son. We go trick-or-treating. We're up and down Brooklyn Heights. I'm exhausted. It's it's you know nine o'clock. I fall asleep with my shoes on. I'm so tired. And then at 1 a.m., my phone starts buzzing and buzzing. And it's someone inside the Raiders organization. And they're like, major, major news. Josh was just told, you know, he's let go, and so is Ziggler. And it's one of those deals. It's 1 a.m. And I'm like, what the? And I and it's like a fever dream. And I'm like, I gotta be up in four hours for good morning football or three hours. I'm like, all right. So like I start checking my phone, and then I saw the Raiders put out an official statement, and I quietly put the phone away and then went back to bed. I'm like, all right, there's so no he, he's to be broken. <laughs> here's what I need to know about this. So when you go to sleep, uh -huh. what is the situation with your phone? Do you leave the ringer on? Do you put it on silent? Do you put it on vibrate? Do you not vibrate? It's on vibrate. Vibrate. And my wife and I right next to you. Right, right next, next to me. And we've had a lot of, a lot of, lot of, lot of conversations about the mental health aspect of this. Just put it, right. put it in the bathroom, put it in the living room. Do not bring it to the bed. You can just shut the ringer off or shut the ringer off or shut the vibrate did, off. Did, did you My see the story? Moments, is that did you see like the that? story that came out about how it's not NFL, but how Woj beat Shams Charnia 
on the James Harden trade. No, I didn't see it. Now I know that's a rivalry as old as time, but what what happened? Yeah, what yeah. Was the story? So the, I guess Woj was it that I I shouldn't relay the story because I might get details wrong, and I hate doing yeah. that. But anybody can look it up. But Woj was at the Newark airport, ready okay. to get on a flight. All right, to go to L.A. because that's where they do the NBA countdown show, and he's supposed to be on it this week. So he just happened and to someone out. texted him a call them and said, you might not want to get on that flight. And he was at the Newark airport, I think from 1030 at night to like 330 in the morning uh. waiting to break the trade. And then I don't know exactly what happened, but I know he broke it. And then Shams gave out his tweet like 40 minutes later and got all this shit for it. But which is ridiculous. That's a win for Woj. No, right, it's a win. It's also, I okay, it's a win, but like I don't you think you should yeah, bash. Those guys, no, those you guys, don't bash those the guys, other guy for not getting. The other guy has scoop. seemingly waged war, and Woj is the old guard, and he's saying, "Okay, this is me, pal. Get in line." So, would you stay at the Newark airport from ten thirty at night to three thirty in the morning to break a story, or would it depend on the story? No, not me. No, I, and it, it's not really. My, if I'm Rappaport or if I'm Schefter, my role is I'm. A little bit of a morphing between, you know, host slash reporter thing, but maybe at something like that with the Harden trade where we spent all off season and someone gave me a tip, I would probably call my bosses and be like, I, I got to change my travel. I think so. Actually, uh, the Lamar Jackson contract stuff. I just had um, a, a baby girl and we had our daughter and it was like, uh, whether it was hours after or something and it, the Lamar stuff was going down and, I was working hard from the hospital, like, you know, pumping in different yeah. tweets and stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's, uh, there's been stories. This was the Woj. So, this is on Awful Announcing. This is what Woj said on his podcast, Awful Announcing, um, transcribed it. He said, he sat in Newark Airport, watched the place close down, and then almost start to reopen again. So, from like 5 p.m., <laughs> they threw me out of the United Airlines lounge at around 10.30 p.m. when it closed. And then I just went and sat downstairs until I left at 3.30 in the morning. So he was there from 5 p.m. to 10 to 3.30 in the morning. Come on. That's, that's great work. <clears throat> to break a trade about a player who's nothing but a complete disgrace and shouldn't even Team be Team Woj on this yeah. one. All right. Well, one last thing before we talk about Jeopardy. Yeah. Have you heard anything at all since you're so plugged in? Mm-hmm about the league being concerned at all about their officiating problem. And before you answer that, there is an officiating problem, no matter what anyone says. And the fact that they would take the head of officials or whatever his stupid title is and put him on Monday Night Football to say that John Parry was wrong tells you the league is concerned. So I know they're concerned. I'm just wondering what you've heard about it. I wouldn't say uh, they're concerned that they're going to shut down the league or rewrite the rules, but obviously they're aware of the criticism. And, and now that uh, that the criticism is so vapid and the coaches are complaining and a lot of stuff is happening behind closed doors, I think there's a defense mechanism that goes in and says, let's support our guys and let's put them out there like a bird on a wire. Um, that said, this offseason is going to be really interesting with the competition committee because you've got the 
push, the tush push, which is going to be hotly debated. And then you've got a lot of questions about the quality of the officiating and what they can do. I've, I've had multiple people at different teams say to me and say, some of these rules are so convoluted at this point, And they're so yeah. up in the, like, we, why not just rewrite the whole thing and do a fresh start <laughs> and do it based on common sense and the camera angles and the review cycles that we have now, as opposed to these amendments. So I think it's, it's, it's really in the weeds. It's really off season stuff. Nothing's going to happen overnight, but I, right. I'd be curious to see how the competition committee in the league do this. And that's under, you know, certain different, there's different verticals in this and stuff. And Troy Vincent more or less oversees a lot of the officiating stuff. And I think um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of internal conversations are had to tighten that up. And for the fans to let them know that, Hey, we're doing everything we can to give you the best quality officiating possible. Do you think they'd ever consider making everything under two minutes reviewable? I thought that comment from Jim Irsay was really telling and the fact that he was... I wrote that the day before Irsay said that, just for the record. So I think he read it in my column and copied me. That's what I'm going with. It was proposed, um, I think, at the competition committee maybe in 2021, and it was voted down. So it's been proposed. Now, here's as a sports media guy, and I ask you this, you watch some of these... games when there's reviews and it takes six minutes for a review and you're like all right you even heard collinsworth get a little fidgety during the giants bills game saying okay like we get it let's go um you also watch college football where these games take seven hours and you also watch uh the nba where i know bill simmons your former guest is a very big uh proponent of let's get on with it let's not review every single play in the final two minutes do you have a problem if games the four o'clock window or the one o'clock window stretches on until five fifteen, and you miss the first half of the four o'clock window because there's a couple games that are just going review after review after review. I don't think that would happen if you just have it where you review plays under two minutes. And my issue is this: every single person in their job, no matter what it is, is going to make mistakes. You're never going to eliminate that. That's fine. The refs are not going to be perfect. Got it. My issue is when the games are decided by the refs. Nobody can tell me. I don't care what happened in the f- last 58 minutes. The nobody last can matter more. The, nobody can tell me Browns Colts was not determined by the refs. It 100% was. So I think and that's why if the if you know the game stretches out a little longer, I'm okay with it. You cannot have them deciding the outcomes of games. Now listen, if a game and you have to use this is this is the problem. There's no common sense use. Like roughing the pass, but there's no common sense use. It's what the letter of the law is. If a game is 34-10, you don't need to review the roughing mm-hmm. the passer with 58 seconds left. But if the game is 17-17 and there's a that and there's a pass interference, yes, you have to review it. Sorry, under two minutes only. That that would be you got to use a, if the game's in within a ten point. What maybe maybe make it fourteen, whatever. Then the review's got to you, you got to add some common sense into this. This will sound like I'm in the bag for McVeigh or it came from McVeigh. I tell you, mm. usually I will be very honest and say Sean told me this, but this did not come from him. This is me. Mm. And the analysis is going to sound like a complaint. They lost that game to the Steelers, and there was the bad, the bad spotting of the ball. Right. Oh, I, yeah, that stuff. was the one I put in my con- that again, again, hundred percent affecting. I'm not saying the Steelers wouldn't have won, well, but first 100% off, that had, played there was two minutes and twelve seconds left. So at that point, you're like, well, this technically, right. if we did change the rule, it still wouldn't have been fixable. Then what right. is the line of demarcation? Okay, the play but before that, down there, so you got to get it right. Yep. The play Go before ahead. that. Was what was even more horrendous. It was a pass interference call on Akella Weatherspoon on Deontay Johnson that would have made it, um, it would have made it first down and ended the game anyway. 
Johnson then does, you know, some sort of silence, something like that. And he gets a, a flag for the taunting and that gives him another shot. I say all this, say this. McVay had no more timeouts left. And I heard a lot of people after I commented this on Good Morning Football say this, say it's his fault. He used all his timeouts. It didn't have any left to which I say, shame on you. The officiating shouldn't be so bad that we expect a coach to save at least one timeout so that if the officiating does some horrendous call, then he could throw a review. Like right. it, it's backwards. It's chicken. Like he shouldn't have to save timeouts in game planning. And by the way, his final timeout was on a third down call that he didn't like the play call, called timeout, came out of the timeout and they scored a touchdown. So I don't think they regret that either, but that's where you get into the nitty gritty where it's like, right. I don't, yeah, I don't know if I agree. I mean, I think because of the way the rules set up, the coaches have to be mindful of the timeouts and the sure. challenges because of the way it's set. now also in the scenario I propose that play was with two thirteen left. So they, it wouldn't have been reviewable anyway. Yeah. If I say, so you get screwed either way, I guess. I don't know. It's tough. Um, it's tough. There, tough. There's like a revolutionary way to look at this and say, let's start from scratch and say, if we wanted to rewrite the rules, the NFL playbook, what are the 10 rules that are, that are affected? Right. Well, and that's like, it, now we're talking like the, you know, the guys who are like punt, never punt, you know, like it sounds yeah. revolutionary and football won't be real, but like little stuff like that, where you start getting into the nitty gritty and not even, you know, the guys in the booth who, who are the refs who call the game, like they're not even sure about hundred percent the rules. Like then we're getting into, you know, wild I mean, scenarios. And this is going to sound mean, but at this point, I don't care. It also might be nice if you had some refs under the age of 96. Just saying. Oh, I think there nice. is a. I think there's several young refs now. I think they actually have had their youth movement, and I think that might be some of the stuff that we're not as familiar with these faces. Or it's like yeah. you don't see territory, you don't see uh, the older hockey league, and you don't see. Well, it's the, not just the refs though. You'll see a line judge, and it looks like you know. And you see it's, Zach it's, Taylor losing his mind on the line judge, or, yeah. or, or Arthur Smith like going berserk, and you're like, right. I, I probably trust the coach in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> right, they right. seem so upset. Uh, Rogers made the yeah. interesting point on McAfee. Um, that the best refs, Sterator and Macaulay, and these guys that the players write the most, they get paid more to be in TV now. Right. So right, it's like there, right. there's a whole other issue about wages. And, you know, right. what if we really want the best of the best, what can we do to retain that talent? They're not full time. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot there. All right. Let's talk about Celebrity Jeopardy. Schrager was on a few weeks ago with Mira Sorvino. <laughs> and Adam Adam Rodriguez, who I will be honest, I had no idea who he was. I felt very out of the loop and out of touch. Um, watched the show with my niece, who was very impressed because I said my friend's on. So um, yeah. that was good. And we watched the shows. And I have several questions. Amazing. Where do you, you can start? First, let me start. Scale of one to 10, tell me how nervous you were when the game started. Uh, okay. Honestly. Yeah. Five. I wasn't as nervous as I thought I would be flying into Los Angeles to be on Jeopardy and the fear of of embarrassing my good name, embarrassing my colleagues at Good Morning Football, embarrassing the producers who booked me. That was the fear. But once I got there, I was kind of comfortable because I knew I, I watched Jeopardy a million times from my living room and I, I I'm pretty good at it. How now? How did you stick to the NDA? I would never be able to stick to NDAs. I would be blabbing to everybody. They basically said, "Don't, don't a, don't tell anyone you were on it, and b, don't mention who you were against or how it turned out." It gives away the suspense to it. And then about two weeks beforehand, there was a promo, and my face was on it, and I got about a million 
a million texts from people being like, I'm watching the Florida State Duke game on ABC and your mug showed up. So I'm like, is the cat out of the bag? And then it was kind of convoluted and they were like, you could promote that you're on it, but don't say how it went and don't mention any of the questions. So I just thought the best case would be, I'm not messing this opportunity up. I'm not going to say a word to anyone until after it airs. Did you know Katie Nolan was on it like a couple of weeks before? I had no I, idea. I was going to say with Nolan the NDAs, you guys would have no idea because you could have compared notes. I had no idea that Katie yeah. Nolan was on it. And technically it wasn't, we didn't sign like legal papers. It was just, right. it was told to us, do not mention this. And I Got wasn't it. spoiling anything. So tell me how it came about that you were on. Okay. So I am a Jeopardy obsessive it's part of my life it's every day as a kid growing up i've said this story before but i even said it on the air when you grew up in freehold new jersey in the 1980s and 1990s we had a little kitchen where we had the kitchen tv like the small you know toshiba tv and we don't talk about feelings at dinner like we do now in in my family where it's like how was your day what 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 do you want to express hello sonny like how can i help you get through life it was more my dad would come home from a long day of work there would be meatloaf on the table we would have grapefruit or cantaloupe to start and then we wouldn't say a word to each other and we would just turn on jeopardy and everyone just shut up and just watch jeopardy so it was part of my life And then as I got older, it was part of like just everything. I have let that be known to everyone and anyone in my life. So when Rogers was pushing so hard for like the Jeopardy hosting thing, I'm like, I get it. Like, I get it. If if you're a Jeopardy person, you love Jeopardy. So sure enough, the way things work, Mike Richards, their old showrunner gets canceled. He's gone. And then Michael Davies takes over showrunning duties for Jeopardy. Michael Davies, who you know from Men in Blazers, he's the bald British man. He's some yeah. Andy Cohen. Watch what's happening live. He also is the executive producer of Good Morning Football. There it is. So I didn't pitch myself, but he knew my Jeopardy love. He knows it. So when Celebrity Jeopardy comes out, look, I think in recent years you had like Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon. Well, there's an actor strike going on. There's a writer strike going on. There's not a lot of folks just strolling right onto that Sony set. Hello, here I am. Who wants me? They uh. I got the call and I think it was it was maybe the coolest like offer I've ever got in my life. And I was like, I'm in, tell me when and where. And they were like, it's in eight days. So there wasn't much prep. Oh, so you didn't have a lot of turnaround time. Oh, okay, and I think wow. at the more if I had more time, Jimmy, I probably would have made myself more nervous. Right. Let me ask you, if you were told you're going on Jeopardy, would you like study? Like what would you do? I don't think I would study. I mean, maybe I'd look at a list of like presidents and capitals or something like that, but I don't think you can really study. You're so funny. So for eight days, I'm like, all right, tomorrow's the day I break open uh, the encyclopedia and I I start looking at presidents and I look at state capitals and I look at, you know, things like Napoleon or or Greek gods. I'm like, today's the day. Seven days go by. I don't do a thing. Just like my entire academic life. I get on the flight I log on to the Wi-Fi and I'm like, all right, I got six hours to LA. I am going to use these six hours to just freshen up on state capitals and presidents and you know the legislative branch. So right. I, I log into Wikipedia. I start looking at at state capitals and I catch myself dozing off around like Delaware, you know, and I'm like, all right. And how often am I alone without two kids and I can get a little nap in? And then I'm like, and then I'm like, wait. Ray Romano has a new has a new movie that I didn't know about. It's on the JetBlue flight, and I'm like, I, I don't know this movie. It looks great. Ray yeah. Romano and Laurie Metcalf. It's an indie film. I started a little bit. I didn't study anything because well, you can't. The other, 
Well, the other thing is, and, and this is great because you can now s- tell me this from your experience. I also think studying is for that show would be kind of useless because I would think that is a show that once you get there and you're standing on that whatever platform across from the board and across from Ken Jennings and you got your competitors next to you one and the lights go on. It really doesn't matter if you study like Dude, you've got to be in your, the, the topics button and the top. You got to be in your head. Are like, you know, the, one of the topics was fungus. Right. It was different right. types of fungi. Right. You're not studying that. One of the topics right. was Nobel Prize winners. I would have never yeah. thought to do that. So right. at the end of the day, like rhyming words and words that have the the the, the letters M and T in them are like right. what categories are. So you could do yourself a great disservice overthinking and overstudying. Uh, and and to my great fortune, I didn't have the attention and uh, my ADD kicked in where I couldn't even sit down and study if I had to. Was the experience everything you had hoped and more? Jimmy, it was the coolest thing I've ever done. And they treat it with the respect the show deserves. You get there and you feel like you're on Jeopardy. They make you feel like a million bucks. There's a trailer, which I've never been in a trailer before, with your name on it, like a star. You take the little golf cart around the Sony lot, like in the movies, or like you're an entourage in there. So no dressing room, a trailer. Trailer. So you have like, and they had a nice little like meat and cheese spread. Like I felt like a star out there. Get dressed, you go out there, and it is the Jeopardy studio. And it's all the mystique you can imagine. And in the backstage, there's all this Trebek memorabilia. Like you feel like you're at Jeopardy. The producers have been there their entire lives, or they've at least been there for 20, 30 years, a lot of them. And it is their life. They live and breathe it. And it's not a huge production crew. I'd say Good Morning Football has even more producers than Jeopardy had. Oh, wow. They just live and breathe this thing. And, you know, they sit us down and they they start telling us about the buzzer. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, you buzz in. And they explain that. You know, the buzzers don't work until after the clue is provided. So let me give you an example. If I was to say, uh, you know, this area of New York is where Broadway shows are performed. Beep, what is Times Square? But you wouldn't be able to even beep in until the word performed was completed. So when you're at home and you're screaming the answer right away, it doesn't matter. Now, if you buzz before that final syllable is revealed, they lock you out for like three seconds oh okay so you that when you see people just banging away at it it's because they're trying to get in so i didn't have the buzzer down for at least the second category and that screwed me in a lot of ways because i to tell you how i did i got 19 questions right i got three questions wrong two of them being daily doubles which hurt me but my competitor the one who won in the final moments which was a very dramatic episode mira sorvino she got like 28 questions right so she got the buzzer down i probably knew a lot of the questions she got but i didn't even get a chance to answer them because i was so did you did you find yourself buzzing in before the question ended yes and then they lock you out for three seconds yeah and you're like if you nail that buzzer and in hindsight, I spoke to someone who's a Jeopardy champion. You know, this whole like Jeopardy subculture exists and people reach out to you. It's like you know, you're right, part right. of some other like secret society or something. Uh-huh. Picturing Steve Gutenberg and the Simpsons. There's a reference. Um, this is a, uh, this, they're like, what, what I, what you're supposed to do to prepare is you're supposed to watch a bunch of episodes, record Ken Jennings's voice and get the cadence of his questions right and so that you can time That's crazy. It. I'm wow. like, you would never even think to do that. And right. I'm like, 100%. And, and I didn't know I had Ken Jennings because there's two hosts. You might get Mayim Bialik when you're there. Blossom right. might be the host. So yeah. um, was it a was it an amazing, Jimmy, the great, I've won sports Emmys. I've interviewed Brady on the field. This is 100% right. the coolest experience of my life. 
I'm glad Clear. that. I, yeah, I mean that is. How'd you think I played? Did I do you proud? You did. I thought you. I really thought you were going to win at one point. I was like really. I was excited, up. but you know, I feel like, and I'm not downplaying it, but I feel like on Celebrity Jeopardy, like you want to win, but it's not like a terrible thing if you don't win. Like totally, bro. I, I mean, and also I like was, if I had won, I would have had to have come back again. And then I'm playing someone else and like, it's a whole other different experience. It's a second experience. And I'm not yeah, trying yeah. to sound like a loser mentality here, but like I to come it. in second and play respectfully. I, and I told this story on good morning football and I'll tell it to you for the listeners who don't happen to watch our three hour show every morning during the NFL season. Sounds um, like someone's hit the, the part of the season <laughs> where they're struggling a little bit. Oh, no, I'm good, bro. I'm reignited. I'm reignited. I feel great right now. Jeopardy did a lot for me. Um, we, the, the final Jeopardy character. Okay, so I'm down like 200 bucks to Mira Sorvino going into final Jeopardy, and I really screwed myself. I, I took a guess at the end of, of the third round of Jeopardy, and it set me back 1500 bucks, and I'm still kicking myself. But we go to final Jeopardy, and it could be any category, and I'm feeling myself. I was red hot, like doing really well. And the final category is tween lit. Not yeah. teen lit, tween lit. And then what, yeah. what you see on TV is exactly what happens in real life. They take it to commercial and you have time to put in a wager, the entire commercial break, how much you want to wait. Now, I don't know if I'm breaking the fourth wall, if I'm never going to be invited back for revealing this. Sorvino talks about her family early on in the in the show that she's got teenage daughters. Meanwhile, those teenage daughters are in the audience and she looks over to them and I've got to look at Mira Sorvino looking over to her two teenage daughters or her teenage teenage son and daughter. And I'm psyched out because I'm like, tween lit. I don't care if she's got a son or a daughter. If you are in that world, you know tween lit. It's it's just part of your life. I don't have any teenage kids. So right. I start going through this like crazy like meltdown of, oh my God, she definitely knows it. I need to wager this much. But also, who who wrote who wrote Twilight? I don't fucking know. Yeah. Who wrote uh Hunger Games? Ah, Collins. I'm like, please ask me who wrote Hunger Games. I'm like, what was what was Robert Pattinson's character name in Twilight? Was it like Richard or William or Jacob or Brian? I'm like, and then the question, and then I have to put my thing in. I put in 7,200. I had like 11,000. And I'm like, all right, 7,200. She's got me on a 200 thing. Like, I don't know if we're playing Prisoner's Dilemma, Mind Games, how she's going to wager. <laughs> Um, but in case I get it wrong, it gives me a little cushion here in case she gets it wrong. I just took a wild guess. 7,200 out of 11,000. Fine. Um, the question comes up and the, the final clue is, uh, this author ex later would express regret for just not titling her best-selling novel, Margaret. And I remembered that, of course, I read the book, but also there was a movie this summer of, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. That's Judy Bloom, baby. I know Judy Bloom. That's See, super fudge. See, I had no clue. I Dude, had that no is super clue. fudge. That is Tales of no the Fourth clue. Grade. Nothing. I know Judy Bloom. That goes back to the 70s. So I'm like, who is Judy Bloom? And I'm like, I got this. And I don't care if Servino knows who wrote, who wrote Twilight. And I don't care if she's caught up with the diary of a wimpy kid. I know this. I put it in. And I look over and she's got this little grin on her face. I'm like, ah, shit, she knows it too. Yeah. It just so happens. I bet my thing. I got it right. I got to shout out my my son and daughter in the final answer. I was really happy. Sorvino comes in. She gets it right. Bated breath. How much did she wager? Turns out she wagered every last penny also. So no matter what happened, she right. was winning regardless. Right. So I can go home with that knowing I gave it my best effort and she won fair and square. I, I would have had no clue of the answer to that question. Now, the category where I did dominate, and you you did sort of as well, was the one with the, the what was the category? 
pop music. It was yeah. called E I E I O, and it was the the uh, the the clue yeah. was always leading to an answer that had those letters in it. Couple of things. One, I was getting pissed off at Mira Servino for making fun of you for knowing some of the answers. I didn't appreciate that. Yep. Of course, he knows the Backstreet Boys and Sync. What? That's it. I and knew I was One di- Direction, Backstreet Boys, Christina Aguilera, and, and Debbie Gibson. You should have seen me screaming at the TV. Immaculate Collection, Immaculate no, Collection. No, no. I was Listen, screaming it for you, and dude, you didn't get it. The, the Only was, like you know the biggest pop female singer of all time. Sorry, Taylor Swift, but maybe the greatest selling, greatest hit yeah. album of all time. Which, of course, right. no shame. I owned. Yeah. Of course, who okay, did it so in that I, era? So I the, the one of the clues was this pop star you know had electric youth and came out of the blue or something like Let's that. Let's get to this. That's so goddamn I buzz right. In, Let's get to this. I buzz in Merrick, New York's own Debbie Gibson. I'm like, who is Debbie Gibson? And yeah. Sorvino lets out a gasp, like, what? Like, oh, sorry, you know. While yeah. Mira was filming Oscar-winning films, I was in you know my 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 computer room. That's what we used to right. call it, computer room, watching, listening to cassette tapes of Debbie Gibson with right. you know. Whatever. Well, when you were a kid, did you listen to the radio in New York music? Like, because yeah, when I was, I was a, a kid, guy. I was a PLJ right. guy. So it was PLJ Z100, and if you wanted to get a little crazy, one hundred three point five KTU. Oh well, no, like at, a late, at, a, at a Lake Success, no, not me. Yeah. That was too much for me. That was. But the two, me. the two stations that everyone listened to who are our age, yeah, growing up Scott in the Tri-State area, in the morning, was, was Z100 and PLJ. Sure. And Debbie Gibson was a mainstay on those channels. Absolutely. And yeah. at local, she was from Merrick and I'm from Jersey. Right. So there was like this right. thought of like, all right. So the craziest thing happened. Did you see the tweets, Jimmy? Did I see the tweet? Of course bro, I saw the tweet. Bro, I'm still kind of like, wow. So here. The acknowledgement from Deborah Gibbs. Acknowledgement? There was a little more than acknowledgement. Was there a so, follow? Was there a follow? So for DM? So I haven't, I'll be honest. A couple summers ago, I was listening to Sirius Satellite, like, the '90s or the pop station, and Debbie right. Gibson was like the DJ. It was like Debbie yes. Gibson, like, she, and I'm like, oh, Debbie Gibson. All right, great. And I remember. I know, she, yeah. I know she changed her name to Deborah at one point. Like, I haven't kept up with her. Whatever, fine. Right. I heard her voice. I remember thinking, like, that's cool. All right, so she's doing this now. She's like the Casey Kasem or Ryan Seacrest. Cool. I answer this thing. The amount of people the next day that were like, I love that you got Debbie Gibson. Right. I'm like, of course. Yeah. I get this tweet. Dear Celebrity Jeopardy and Ken Jennings, I am so honored that P. Shregs got my question right. Uh, love the show and what a life moment that I was an answer on Jeopardy. Great. Then there's a video. And the video is Debbie Gibson singing like, hey, Peter, just want like Ugh. the 13 year old me, Jimmy, is yeah. freaking the fuck yeah. out. This is Debbie Gibson singing right. my name. My brother had a Debbie Gibson poster in his bedroom debbie gibson cassettes lined our you know Mm. our den where we would sit around and play gi joe and stratomatic baseball like this this was insane so Um, and then she followed me on twitter there you go so i i'm a married man i don't know where this goes i looked her up i'm like she i don't know what her deal is i don't know it's nothing about that i just don't want to overstep my bounds so publicly i tweet to her i say Anytime you want to come on Good Morning Football, and I have no power to do this. The right. producers would probably hate me for even trying to book guests, but I have no power at that. I'm like, anytime you want to come on Good Morning Football, Debbie Gibson, you have a seat at the table and you can do performance. We can interview you. We can talk about you. She responds. She's like, I'm in New York in November. I would love to come on. So now the question is, it's November. 
Jimmy, I'm asking you as a friend. I'm a married man, very happily married. Debbie Gibson is a, a lifelong icon, my teen crush, yeah. all this stuff. Do I direct message Debbie Gibson and say, like, hey, just following up on our correspondence on Twitter.com? Or do I just pass this along to someone else and say, please, someone else see if she wants? Or do I just let it go and say, I hey, think you can DM her and just, you can DM her. Really? I don't well, know. You, <laughs> you can DM her and say, so I'm a bad host. I just cough right into the mic, but I'm dying. You can DM her and say, Hey, fun stuff with the Jeopardy thing. Just wanted to make sure you still want to be on the show because I'll pass along your info to our producers. Would love to have you. That's it. Fair. There's nothing professional. Nothing yeah. unprofessional, right? Right. Exactly. Professional. And I don't geek Listen, out and send a photo. Also, of like, me, like from I give her credit. Like, if I give her credit because if you're Debbie Gibson, it should be cool to like see you as a clue on Jeopardy. Like, it's yeah. a cool moment for her. I, yeah. I, you know, I've always said way, this. She sounded amazing and she looked amazing. I've always said this was a big thing with my old buddy, Andy Gray, who used to work at SI with me. Yeah. We, me and Andy always used to say, because he used to run the SI Vault account on Twitter, which was a big deal. And we always used to say, and this is no disrespect to Debbie Gibson, like nothing but love and respect, 80s icon. But we've, we always said we got a bigger kick out of getting a response or or whatever on t interaction on Twitter from the B C list celebrity than the A list. Like, listen, you you're in this business. You have all A listers following you and football sure. players and whatever. I made a big stink because the Rock followed, but like Ian Ziering followed Andy Gray on Twitter. I that's was so cool. jealous. Like, yeah, like that. Like that's for us. We got so I get this whole Debbie Gibson, thing. bro. You get it. Like one yeah. of my favorite moments was when uh, Richard Christie from the Howard Stern Show followed me on Twitter. Yes. And yes. I was already following him and I direct messaged him and he wrote back and he's like, we're huge Chiefs fans in my yeah. house. So I got yeah. into Good Morning Football and I'm like, that's the level of celebrity that right. like, I love. Someone that you actually listen to and you have a connection with more than just this person's right. favorite. Like, I think Kevin Hart might follow me. Like, I don't have a connection to Kevin Hart and I don't right. think he's actually reading his own Twitter. So I'm not like, right. but Debbie Gibbs like, following Like, me? we're that's all real. followed. The funny thing is we're all followed by Lady Gaga. Like, she's yeah. followed. Like, Tay Diggs follows right. all of us. But like... I remember when I got a follow from like Johnny Bananas. You're like, that's actually him. And I'm like, okay, forget the challenge because now he's like a known yeah. for the challenge. I watched him on the real world no Miami. Way. Like that yeah. was like, you know, so I get it. I get it. I get it with the Debbie um, Gibson. One more thing on, on, on Jeopardy. Now the after yeah. effect of it is it airs. It's great. And now it's a week removed. And like I was on a, a really, you know, my ego was out of control. You couldn't fit me in the room. <laughs> but I always have to find the negative, right? Like that's, that's just how we live. Like we're cynical people. All right, let me hear it. The people who didn't reach out to me, oh. the friends of mine who didn't text, the people in sports media. I people, love you, but that's a little much. The people at NFL Network that I know oh, saw on my Twitter feed that I was on Jeopardy and didn't feel the need to just say, hey, good luck or something. Oh, I took note. <laughs> There's a list. Yeah. Yeah, I always think I'm going to hear from some people too, and like you know, it's a good pod, and then I don't hear from them. It hurts. It's very easy just to reach out, folks. If you're friends with someone, you say, "Hey, that's pretty cool." Supporting you here, I think I like to do it as often as possible, Jimmy. Yeah, I don't think we want to go here, but yeah, it's you, listen. You I, I, listen. You keep track of everything, and you know, you don't forget. <laughs> you don't forget. I uh, I was I, sick, I was how sick of I. <laughs> well, 
you're uh I, listen there's a lot of, you know we all we all have crazy things like that you know like i i get it i i listen i do you can't expect every single person you know to reach out but certain people are supposed to reach out on something like that i will say that i'm just certain I'm people half, should i'm half out. kidding but you know the same it's also who, great publicity for the show for like good morning football like bro it was amazing yeah. publicity for the show yeah. and i will give credit to my folks at fox they have no reason to run anything. They didn't tell me they were running anything. We started the Fox NFL kickoff show on Sunday, and there was a montage of me just banging out questions. And like, yeah. Carissa. Yeah, that's how it should be done. Yeah, and Carissa and Edelman and Vic and the whole gang and yeah. Woodson. Uh, they were great about it, and it was hilarious. And uh, it, that's, that's, I mean, that's how it should be. Since you mentioned Edelman, let's end it on this. When I, I had him on the podcast right before the season started, and it came up that you and I were friends, and he said to me, "What do you call him? What am I supposed to call him?" And I said, "I think everyone just calls him Shrake." So, what is Edelman calling you? Yeah, he calls you, me Shrakes. Yeah. Okay, calls good. Me Shrakes. We got um, that straightened out. All right, good. By the way, and it's no secret. I'm like, <laughs> if you work with me, I love you. You know that. Um, he's great. He's cool. Yeah, yeah. He's, he is yeah. who he is. Who I thought he would be, but also like, does the work. Comes in and he knows his stuff and. I, I've really enjoyed working with him. I enjoy everyone I work with. I got to tell you, Jamie Erdell had this announcement on Tuesday's Halloween show that she was pregnant and she did it by wearing a Rihanna costume and explaining like, I don't know. I, and I was like, I got emotional out there. Like I knew she was pregnant. She told us off camera, but like for her to share that publicly and you just realize you're like, all right, I really like you. And I like the, like the show. So it's, uh, it's nice to work with people. You actually, you know, who you feel that kind of connection with where, when they announce they're pregnant, you get emotional. I was like tearing up on set and like as Al Davis. <laughs> you you like everyone you work with except for the people who didn't reach out about Jeopardy. Well, I mean, if you're tweeting all day and you've got tweet <laughs> thoughts on literally everything, uh, you need to weigh yeah. in on everything. And, yeah. you know, your friend is on Jeopardy. They've got an opinion on how to fix the Palestine uh, Israel Palestine, situation, but they, they can't they can't chime in on you on Jeopardy. They've got thoughts on the Michigan cheating scandal. Right. They've got thoughts on World Series ratings. They've got thoughts on what Ozempic uh, on Ozempic. What Robert Griffin wore on his head. They've got thoughts everyone's on a, everyone's an expert on everything. It's crazy. Except, except when your friend is on Jeopardy, you can't right. send them a note and just say, "Hey, that was pretty cool." I don't know. That seems that's yeah. just me. Yeah. No, I get it. I will get past that. Move on <laughs> and um, finish out the NFL season strong. And I feel uh, like I'm doing great. Like. Usually, uh, I told you, I hit a wall. I haven't hit it yet. And if you watch Good Morning Football or Fox NFL kickoff, hopefully you see my enthusiasm. I love what I do, and it's been good. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Congratulations on Jeopardy. I'm glad it was everything you wanted it to be. It would have been a bummer if it wasn't. So that makes me happy. All right. And And, uh, uh, in response, just like the case with with me and with McAfee and with Bill Simmons and with Charles Barkley, I look forward to six months of positive tweeting about Robert Griffin from Jimmy Trino. Yep. Over the you next will get it. Months. He does great on college football. <laughs> Love him in the booth. All right, Shrakes. Take it easy. Peace, buddy. All right. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. 
you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. We're back with season two of the podcast, which means more opportunities to glow up and become a more responsible and better adult, one life lesson at a time. And let me just tell you, this show is just as much for us as it is for for you. So let's figure this stuff out together. This season, we're going to talk about whether or not we're financially and emotionally ready for dog ownership. We're going to figure out the benefits of a high yield savings account. And what exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party? All that plus so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. All right, joining me now is he does every week from WFAN Radio in New York, SNY TV in New York, my buddy Sal Licata. Sal, how's it going today? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. The weeks are just flying by, uh, but pretty good on this Wednesday. Sal and I spend Sunday together, and I'll get into that in a second, but I just had Peter Schrager on, and he was like, I need to know what's going on with Sal's house hunting. And oh, the one God. week we didn't mention it, like someone tweeted me, like, I need to know what's going on with Sal's house. So Sal still has not found a house, correct? Correct. We All put right. an so. offer in last week on a house, got denied, which I knew we would because we came in low. Um, but we didn't look for a house last week. We'll be back probably this weekend. Problem is you can't just go look at houses. They have to be there. So if there's nothing that we want to see, then I get another week off. But obviously it prolongs <clears> us finding something. So Sal got a break from house hunting last weekend, and I was there. I went to his house Sunday. Some other people, a couple of guys from SNY, JJ Jastrzemski, people know from The Ringer, and we finally had our first Sunday ticket YouTube glitches, which a lot of people tweeted me about because I've been raving about how great YouTube has been, but I did not know because again, I've said this before. And when the one o'clock games start, I rarely check Twitter. I, st- right. I don't, I'm locked in. So when all these glitches were occurring, I was blaming Sal's Wi Fi <laughs> and ripping Sal to shreds for the shitty Wi Fi. And then he saw that on Twitter, people were saying there were glitches. It was, uh, f- funny to me that the first glitches happened while I was at your house. Yeah, for Sunday well, guess, afternoon. 
of football. Guess who it wasn't funny too? Me. Because the last thing, like I legit, I've had other people over, but not to this extent how many people we had. And plus you, who was like the last person that I would ever want any issues whatsoever yeah. with. So I made sure going to Why is game, that? You're making me sound been, like a monster. No, no, but but, they, but they, I know there's certain things you can't mess with. And football Sunday, YouTube TV, Direct TV, we want to say the Sunday thing. You can't. What do you mess think I was going to rip you on the podcast or something? No, but just in general, I, I want to have a bad experience. <laughs> I don't want. So seven weeks in, I'm like, I think we're ready to go. We can now have people over. There is not one. I use three streaming devices every week. There was not one issue. Naturally, this is the week with an issue. It was so funny because at one point, everyone thought it was your shitty Wi-Fi. So right. a couple of the guys were like, I'm getting off the Wi-Fi on my phone. I'm get I did not get off the Wi-Fi on my phone. I stayed on the Wi-Fi. Yeah, I said it's probably because everybody's pulling from the Wi-Fi because this never happened before. <laughs> but I'm like, he has to, you work, you do radio and TV shows from home. You have to have good Wi-Fi. So I didn't think it was your Wi-Fi. I wanted to say it was your Wi-Fi to make you sweat a little bit. But you must, how relieved were you when you saw the tweet that it was YouTube? Very very. When one of you guys mentioned it, that uh, there were issues on on uh, uh, on Twitter, people were talking about it. And then I knew it, it actually made sense. And I was like, oh, OK, that still sucked to have to go through it. And by the way, it wasn't for us as bad as it seems. We were inconvenienced by the third TV with the least important games that we wanted to watch for the most part. Everything else was pretty good. But people on Twitter were very angry, though. Yeah, well, I wasn't that angry, but we were annoyed. From what I from what I gathered, from what I saw on people on Twitter, I think a lot of the issue is because it costs so much money, people are not going to tolerate. Did they offer a refund? I didn't see that they did, and I I would not hold my breath. I mean, so direct. What are they going to? What would that? they offer you that would satisfy you? Like here's ten nothing. bucks. Right. No, no, nothing. I want them to get the fucking stream right so I can watch the game. So there's nothing right. they can do. But Direct TV, when they had issues with this with the streaming, they would give you like a week's worth of money back whatever that may be i mean direct tv would also go out every time it rained all right better than nothing i'm just saying it's you know it's yeah like to me if you want. give me 20 bucks because you, you the sunday ticket crapped out on a sunday that doesn't make up for the for the issues but. agreed but 20 bucks is 20 bucks here's what i want keep your 20 bucks don't let it ever happen again that's agreed. what i want i was surprised though man people people are rough they don't give anyone a break like i like I think I wrote it. Like, it. Yeah. <laughs> you can't even have a fucking opinion anymore about something. Uh, anyway. Welcome <laughs> to the fan. You can't. I mean, I like they had a bad day, YouTube. Everyone's like, YouTube sucks. Bring back. The no, it doesn't. They had a bad. Now, listen, if this happens again. Yes, but you got to give every, you know, you're supposed to give people three strikes. We don't even give people one strike. Just give them one strike. They're allowed one strike. Everyone calm down and relax. Agreed. Am Agreed. I saying that because I won the under Jaguar Steeler bet? Yes, but yeah. relax. Out, so outside of the mild streaming issues, everything was good on your end on that Sunday? Everything was very good. Everything was very good. You have the perfect setup. I mean, that's what's not good. You have the perfect setup, and now you're leaving it. So. They sold it. Exactly. Oh, God. Terrible. Um, let me think. Was everything good? Yeah, everything was good. 
Yeah. You know, you forced me to listen to the sound on Jets Giants. That's okay. It was Catalan did a great job. Right, you liked Catalan. I mean, it was a hideous game, but you <laughs> he liked made Catalan. the game exciting. Andrew Catalan made that game exciting because it was pathetic. It was right. just pathetic. I don't. The I said. I think I said this on Sunday. If you have a game, if you have an NFL game where both quarterbacks are terrible, it's it's you it's it's rough, man. And in that game, both. I mean, it started out with both quarterbacks are terrible. Then it went to. One quarterback is terrible, and the other one doesn't even belong in the NFL, it seems. But <laughs> yeah, you know, I know, right? it was rough. It was rough, but it was a good betting day. So that's all. The, that's how I judge it. If I had a right. bad day, betting day, I wouldn't want to go back to your house. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Call JJ the Mush or something. I don't like that. Quick. I had you nervous, though. I don't want to make you nervous. No, 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 no. It's not that I know you. Like obviously, we've been friends for a long time, but I also know. Like, first of all, I'd be pissed off more than anybody, but I know when you invite people over, especially people with expectations of, hey, you got a good setup for these games here, let's not have any fuck ups. So I knew you, I knew you were flustered when you couldn't find the multi view we needed and I had to take control of the remote and I had to take over and say, I had to tell you to calm down and give me the remote. And then I found the, (laughs) the, the right one. Well, it was encouraging that we were able to get. I only thought that there were certain game mixes, but you were able to find an additional one, which allowed us to get all nine games up at once, which was right. nice. Right. Like no, I said, you know, I went to the, the veteran steady hand at that yeah. moment. Nobody works a remote better than me. Although that <laughs> Apple remote, my God, it's just a disaster. Yeah. Disaster. You, you touch it. You touch it and everything's fucked up. And you, <laughs> you made everything. I keep coughing. I apologize to people listening. You make everything more difficult because now you have youtube tv see i'm just used to getting the games with the regular youtube but you were on youtube tv so it's a little different i had to get used to it but uh, you're enjoying your youtube tv experience while you still have cable yeah i mean so yeah so far i mean that was the second week that i've had it. i love just being able to put all the games on without restrictions in the local market to me that's the one thing that i've been missing forever the only thing youtube tv needs to do now is allow you to choose the games you want That's it. It is a very simple thing. Allow us to just pick the games that we want. I actually think I've been meaning to research. I think they give you every single option in the multi-view. What they don't give you is the ability to shift the bot. So like, let's say you're watching a multi-view with four games and you have Jets Giants in the top left and Steelers Jaguars in the top right, but you want to switch them for whatever reason. Right. You can't do that. But I think they give you every I I have not found I have not had a week where they didn't have the option I needed. And I'm usually doing two four multi views or like a four and a three. That's how I do it. So they've done a good everything's oh, been perfect that, except for the Sunday. That's fine. And if they do that, then they don't make it as easily accessible as you'd like. Because I was looking for a multi view with the Jets Giants. I found one. Yeah, you kept saying that, and I didn't believe you. I I, I don't know if that's true. Well, it was for me, but maybe there was a way I wasn't looking at it properly. I scrolled through 20 of them. Anyway. It was a good time. It was a good time. It was a good good time. Well, thanks for coming. Yeah. Are we going house hunting this weekend? I hope that there are houses as of now. It's Wednesday. No, as of now, there's nothing that's worth seeing. So a free weekend. Well, it's never a free weekend, but potentially a house hunting free weekend. Well, this is a good weekend to not go house hunting because Dolphins Chiefs is at 930 on Sunday morning. 
Right. I got Dolphins Chiefs. This is the week I got my nephew playing a hockey game at UBS at 2 o'clock. So it's actually not bad because right. I haven't looked at the 1 o'clock slate, but I know the Giants are. It's four. terrible. It's actually gross. 1 o'clock? Here's how bad the 1 o'clock games are. The, okay. Rams, Packers. Meltdowns. Gross. Commanders, Patriots. No. Buccaneers, Texans. No. Cardinals, Browns. Oh, my God. Saints, Bears. No, that's it. Here's, here's by far the best one o'clock game by far. Seahawks, Ravens. That's a very good game. And then Vikings, Falcons. That's an interesting game. Not all. Here's, I mean, here's what's interesting about this week. The one o'clocks are pathetic because this is why. The Dolphins Chiefs are at 930 on NFL Network. Sunday night. But the Sunday night game is phenomenal too. Bills Bengals. And the 425 game is Cowboys Eagles. So the three best games are at 930, 425 Sunday night. Right. Okay. So that's why one o'clock is a pig. Now, my dilemma is going to be, so I will watch, I'll watch that Dolphins-Chiefs game Sunday morning. Then I will go to my nephew's game. I probably got to leave at 12, whatever. The game should take an hour. So from whenever that finishes, let's say 3, 3.30, I got to make it back to my house by 4.25. Where is your nephew's UBS. game? UBS Arena. So you should come to my house after well, and watch yeah. the games. Explain that. Yeah. Okay. And tell, right. and tell my wife what? I'll be out of the house all day long. Here's what you tell her. I had Jimmy over last week, so he wants to have me over this week. He's reciprocating the invite. You're gonna put the uh and you have to giant sound on? And you have to you have to watch the game for work. So you need to instead of wasting that forty minutes to drive, you come to my house instead. Yeah, it is possible actually. I, let me let me see and get back to you on that. But I appreciate the invite. Hit. Yeah, because that's my dilemma. And then I do want to watch the Sunday night game is a good one, and Monday night right. of the Jets. So this week actually works out well. The problem, the NFL, three of the better teams to watch on a weekly basis: Lions, Jaguars, Niners are all on buys. So one o'clock is this. If you're gonna blow off a one o'clock session, this is the week. Worked out well. Schedule makers did me a favor. Yeah. Speaking of the schedule, I, I don't know what the answer is for baseball, but it makes me sad that nobody cares about the World Series. Like, I can't fault people for not getting into the Diamondbacks and Rangers. You know, here's the other thing about this, too, I thought. You know, when the Yankees play in the World Series, or if the Yankees play the Red Sox, or if the Yankees play the Mets, or the, everyone complains, who, no, uh, we're sick of these teams, no one wants to see this, East Coast bias. Then you have a World Series with the Diamondbacks and the Rangers, and it's the lowest rated series, World Series of all time. So, yeah. I, if you're going to complain about the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Dodgers, then you got to watch the other teams, but nobody's watching. Lowest of all time. And I don't know what the sport is supposed to do. Like, they open on a Friday, Saturday, the two lowest nights where no one's watching TV. They're going against college football on Saturday. Then they're playing Monday night against Monday. Night. I don't know what baseball is supposed to do. I feel terrible. I wish the sport would get more eyeballs on it and, you know, not have the competition with the football. But I don't know what they're supposed to do, but I, I feel bad. I don't know either. I love baseball. I used to love it a lot more uh, um, nationally when I was a kid. Like, obviously, I always loved, you know, the local with the Mets or the Yankees. There's, there's interest there. But I cared more about Dodgers A's in 1988 
than I or Reds in 1990 than I do now about the Rangers and that, I I love baseball. I, I don't give a shit. I, I don't know why that is. Okay, so if obviously when it, the World Series opened on Friday, Saturday, you didn't watch it. I have not watched one pitch of the World Series so far. Okay. Because, now, are you watching TV at the times those games are on, or you're not even watching? Because, like, to me, if like Friday night I went out, so if I go out Friday night, I can't watch World Series. Saturday right. I was home. No, Saturday night I got home. No, I got home at about nine. But I watched college football. I didn't even think to put on the world. And then Monday night right. I had it on the second TV, but the main TV was on Monday night football. I honestly don't even remember what the hell I did uh, Friday. I was probably just hanging out watching. If you're home and you're in front of the TV and you're not and you're watching, you know, whatever you watch, Beverly Hills Housewives or whatever, and you're not watching the the World Series. I mean, that's sad. Yeah, but but let me ask you something. Why would I watch the World Series if the the only way to do it is if you either a have a team that you root for in it or b bet on it? Like otherwise, why am I supposed to care about it? Especially, well, I mean, if you're a ba- if you're if you if you're a baseball fan, you don't want to see who's going to take the title. I mean, I'm a baseball fan. I don't care. I'm sorry. I may, maybe it's because of the two teams. Like, if it were Braves Rangers, different story. A little more care. If it were Phillies Rangers, maybe I care right, a little bit so more. So you didn't watch? Okay, well, you're consistent because you said you didn't watch the NBA Finals last year, right? Who was in it again last year? The Nuggets. Oh, and Heat? No, no, I don't think I did. I watched. And the uh, did you watch the Stanley Cup Finals last year? Don't ask me who was in it because I couldn't tell you. Right. So uh, you, okay. So you're you're basically only watching my a World Series of Stanley your, for your teams. All right. Well, then you're consistent. Ba- basically, yeah. Basically, I mean, like I watch the life. NBA Finals every night, but I can't, I can't the World Series for some reason. It, it's like it's secondary. I'm f- more focused on football, college, and pro. I, I think I'd rather watch the World Series than the a random World Series than a random NBA Finals or even Cup Final. But this matchup in particular, remember too, in New York, both seasons have been over since July. Like right, the Mets right. and Yankees have been bad for so long. I'm waiting for the off season, right. and plus the Diamondbacks. Like I, I don't, the one thing I think baseball could do is limit the. They're never never going to do it. Limit the amount of teams that get in because. You end up getting two teams in with 84 wins. Not a great draw. Yeah, I think it's more of a, I don't know. I don't know how they can't get away from football. So I don't know what they're supposed to do. Like now, I mean, you know, the Rangers are going to win. So it's it's hard to get into. But like if game one was on a Tuesday or a Wednesday when there's no NFL, no big college football, I think more people would get into it. But then I don't know. Uh, I, I have to look. Yeah, it, it's not. It's not the. Uh, it's not the anti-sports thing. Right. It's the for me just the, the care about, um, you know, the, yeah. the care about the team. Right. Like I love the sport. I just don't care about either team. All right. Before we wrap, gotta mention Matthew Perry. Sal actually broke the news to me. I was literally in the diner at the counter paying for dinner on Saturday, paying for a turkey club, where. I don't know. Turkey clubs are now like 18 bucks, which is absurd. And I got right. the text from Sal that Matthew Perry had passed away. And, you know, it's just when you see someone like that, who's gone through addiction, gets his life turned around. At least that's, what, you know, we, and then it happens. It's just, you know, where give me like 
friends when it was first on NBC, first run, not the reruns that are on like TBS 24-7. Were you a big fan? I don't even know this about you. Were you a friends guy? I enjoyed the show, but I was not, uh, I think, more reruns. And I was always more Seinfeld than Friends. I know that there shouldn't have been a competition, but it felt like there was. And I enjoyed Friends, but I loved Seinfeld. And I, like, I've seen every Seinfeld episode multiple times. I don't think I've seen every Friends episode. I know enough about it. Uh, and, it, you know, obviously it's heartbreaking, but I was not like the biggest Friends fan. Right. See, I was a huge, I was a huge, huge, huge Friends fan when it was on NBC originally. I can't, I find it very hard to get into the repeats for whatever reason. Interesting. Yeah. Like if it's a shitty day out and it's three o'clock in the afternoon and I go on the couch to relax and I flip through and I see Seinfeld on TBS or The Office, I'll watch it. Friends, never. I just can't. Interesting. I don't know why. I loved it when it was first on. And his character, I mean, there's so many, he had so many memorable moments on that show. Um, just, you know, the way he delivered the lines. I thought the Friends reunion on HBO Max was phenomenal. I don't know if you watched right. that. I did. I did see that. I love it. I thought it was really well done. Um, but he said, because I want to mention this since we're talking about Friends, he, he gave an interview to Diane Sawyer. I saw the clip. They've played it constantly where he said that when he passes he doesn't want friends to be the first thing people remember about him he wants it to be that he would help anyone who came to him and needed some help for whatever addiction they're fighting so we're here talking about friends and you know he wanted the first thing to be that so um i want to make sure we mention that that you know he did a lot to overcome and it's the stories he told you know in that interview they've replayed it where he said they asked him like, what was his lowest point with his alcoholism? And he said that on Sundays, he used to go to open houses and I'm not trying to make a joke here with tie this in with you at all. He used to go to open houses and go through people's medicine cabinets to take whatever like Vicodins or Xanax or whatever was like oh in there. My God. That's how bad it got for him. And then he was able to overcome it. And, you know, he got sober and he was, you know, cleared that he did the friends reunion and it looked like things were good and people were worried about the way he looked on the friends reunion but he said he had had dental work that's why he was talking funny so right. you know you don't know what the story is the toxicology report's going to come out but um Sad. it's just crazy you know it's a guy that's on he's literally on your tv almost at any point in the day i mean the reruns are on tbs and i think nickelodeon i mean you can put on the tv at almost any point in your day and he's on it and Obviously, the show was huge. You know, it was back before the streaming and all that when people watched it right. on TV. So their ratings, I mean, you know. I went to the Friends Experience over the summer. Like that That's yeah. what I thought of. I went to the Seinfeld one. I did not go to the Friends one, but I heard about it. And yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, look, dude, it was a great show. I mean, there's no other way around it. It was a great show, and he was a great actor, and it's sad to see how it ended. My favorite episode was when they do the the content, the the contest between the boys and the girls and about the apartment the, if the boys win they get the girls apartment if the girls win the boys have to get rid of the ducks and uh you know just the way they did that he was great in that too but if you have not if you're a friend's fan and you have not seen the reunion it's on hbo max i highly recommend it um I'll probably watch that again yeah um all right hate to end on a downer but you know that that has been all the right. story of the week for sure and my appearance at Sal's where I guess I made Sal nervous. So if you no, come over, no, no, you no, come no. over this Sunday, I won't make you nervous. At the right. Games be nice. 
No, I have man, good, I have good, wrong with I, your Wi-Fi. I have good Wi-Fi. Yeah, all right. Well, all who, right. Who's your Wi-Fi provider? Uh, uh, well, Opto. I was ready. To, uh, I was ready to take them down. I was, re- I was ready to go on a crusade. You got, no, you got no, bailed out. You got bailed out. All good. Don't expect a refund, though. Yeah, just don't. Right. Just don't have it happen again. I'm good. All right. All Thanks. right. I'll see you I'll next week. You all right. Bye. All right. My many, many thanks to RG3, Peter Schrager, Salicata. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, subscribe to SI Media with Jimmy Trainer. If you've missed any recent episodes, go into the archives, give them a listen. Sports radio legend Dan Patrick was on the show last week. Bill Simmons was on the show two weeks ago. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman were on the show three weeks ago. So if you missed any of those, give them a listen. Subscribe to the pod and uh, leave a review on Apple. All right. That wraps it up for this week. We'll see you next week. Stay safe and take care. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.